0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: on dap digital radio and 1089 and 1053 a.m fight night with gareth a davis on talk sport
2: Good evening. You're listening to Fight Night here on TalkSport. Yes, it's your regular Saturday night of fisticuffs. I'm Gareth Davis and tonight's show we have former. Uh, they've got world champion here. I mean, you are a world champion in my eyes. The former, like, yeah. the former <laughs> super bantamweight European champion, friend of the show, great friend of the show. Grandson of Norman Wisdom, of course. <laughs> Spencer Oliver, one of the great characters from British Boxing. He's alongside me. And what a show we've got lined up for you tonight. We'll hear from Nigel Ben. Who sensationally announced he will be returning to the ring in November at the ripe old age of 55, 23 years away? Should this British and world legend be allowed to come back and fight? We want to know your views on that. We'll also be speaking to Billy Joe Saunders and Kel Brook. Plus, we have three studio guests, including British super middleweight John Ryder, who's got a world title shot coming up against Callum Smith. What a fight! That's going to be John, joins us very shortly. And from Wales in the same division is Cody Davis, of course, who's got a fight coming up soon. And we're also talking rows with referees in mixed martial arts and the main man's back in Dublin last night. And I was there, Conor McGregor. Is he going to be back later this year? You can tweet me at Gareth A. Davies DT and Spencer at Spencer Oliver straightforward that one at Spencer (laughs) Oliver you're listening to Fight Night and this is Talk Sport Um, Spencer it's been another big week Uh, we're going to speak to John about his fight announced yesterday uh, with um, Callum Smith Uh, Daniel Dubois fought last night and earned his European uh, sorry, his Commonwealth uh, uh, World Heavyweight, uh, Commonwealth title, heavyweight title to go with his British title. He's doing it the traditional route. We saw a very promising youngster last night. We got a massive fight in America later. Errol Spence, one of the great boxers in the world right now at Welterweight against Sean Porter. It's busy, busy, busy again.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. I think we're getting, you know, we've got fights coming up until Christmas every single week. Great fights as well. Boxing really is on the up at the moment, Gareth, and um, yeah, We're looking forward to some fantastic fights coming up in the future.
2: Wow. Um, Look, um, what did you think, first of all, of Daniel Dubois last night? Because we didn't see a lot of him. I thought Ebenezer Tetti, the opponent, who I'd watched videos of, um, and he he looked like he threw kind of winging hooks, had a great record, 19 wins, 16 knockouts, but not of the level, frankly, of Dynamite Dubois.
3: No, I'm I'm the same as you. I looked at Ebenezer the Geezer on, (laughs) um, on YouTube and... I'm amazed where he got that record from, if I'm honest. It was, yeah, 19-0 and 0 with 16 KOs. He looked like he was boxing in small sports halls over in um, Accra in Ghana. Never boxed out out of Accra. And, um, yeah, I think that was evident as soon as the first bell went. He didn't really bring much to the table. But that's taking nothing away from Daniel Dubois, who, for me, really is the prospect coming through. And I think that he's showing improvement with every fight. Now, it's okay saying your opponent's not up to much, but you've still, got to, you, you've still got to get rid of these opponents and you've still got to do it in style. Daniel Dubois done that last night. He went out there and systematically broke his opponent down. He picked the shots to the head, picked the shots to the body, and they were good shots. And he and he busted his opponent up. I think that he's a real threat in the heavyweight division. The next couple of years are going to be massive for Daniel Dubois.
2: I, do, I completely agree with you. I think by the end of next year that spite that he shows is going to be uh, put into full effect against the very best in the world. Because I think by the end of next year, I think the Tyson Furies, the Deontay Wilders, the Anthony Joshuas will have played out in a... Well, I, I hope they've played out in a much bigger way. Because if we don't get the three of those matching up in some form... I mean, let's not write Andy Ruiz off on December the 7th against Anthony Joshua, of course. If they don't play out next year, boxing will be a laughing stock, frankly.
3: Yeah, I think they will play out. I think that, you know, they will come together and these fights will be made. But I think people like Daniel Dubois, and we've got Joe Joyce there as well, and I think that will be a great fight to see maybe in 12 months' time, Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce. But I think these guys are going to be very difficult to hold back. They're just on the fringe of, of competing at that level, and I think the next 12 months are going to be really exciting in the heavyweight division. And, you know, you're talking about that return with Anthony Joshua out in Saudi in December the 7th. That's a tough fight, Gareth. It's a <laughs> That's a me. real 50-50 fight and a big gamble for Joshua. I spoke to Joshua about it and he recognises that as well. You know, I think if you look at history of heavyweight boxing, history doesn't go in Joshua's favour in the straight returns. He knows that. He recognises that. We spoke to Joseph Parker, who's boxed both of them as well. And Joseph Parker says, actually, um, Andy Ruiz Jr. hits harder than Joshua. And he said he's got better boxing ability and he, he thinks it's a dangerous fight for Joshua. I don't agree as, with that, though. I don't think he hits harder. Well, I think he's the one that's that, been hit, that's hit by Parker him, be digging the knives in. No, no no, fa- no, no, no. Do you know what I mean? No, no,
2: no, fair enough. No, listen. I'm not saying he's not. I'm, I'm saying I think he's PRing there. He's spinning. Mm. I. It doesn't look Andy Ruiz Jr. Um, I'm, I'm t- I've spoken to Bob Arum about this. They didn't see him as a big puncher. Mm. That's why they were so surprised he he put uh, Joshua away. Well, that's why he- Bob Arum was so surprised.
3: I think what we've got, Gareth, is heavyweight boxing. You know, they got these 10 ounce gloves on, and if you if you connect to, on your opponent in the right place, you're going to go. It doesn't matter if he's heavyweight boxing. Doesn't matter if it's middleweight, even, you know, flyweights. If you hit the the opponent in the right right place in boxing, you're going to get hurt. And I think we see that, you know, with the heavyweights.
2: That's why we call it the sweet science, by the way. Listen, there's no walk-in music for the next guest tonight. It's black boots, black shorts, and a black robe. Have we got Mike Tyson? And a black track. Yeah, exactly. But it's not. (laughs) It's... uh, it's, it's, no, we've got the Black Canelo, basically.
4: I'm good, but I thought that was an introduction of Nigel Benn or someone coming in, like, <laughs>
2: beat, Well, yeah, strong, I thought yeah. he was going with Tyson. I yeah, did was, going was. I had I had Mike Tyson in my mind. We don't seem to be having play-in music tonight, walk-in music, so I, I don't know if it's a sign that you should walk in against Callum Smith too deadly, just the sound of the crowd in the arena and no music. Tell us about how you found out about the uh, Callum Smith fight when you signed up for it. um
4: i've had it in the back of my mind for a while now that i was working towards this date of the 23rd november um it all got confirmed to me on thursday and announced on friday
2: but you, I, presumably it's been in the works for a little while as well
4: i believe he's been looking at other opportunities and other opportunities presented to us but um we, we got there ultimately and this is the fight i wanted
2: but so this is a guy you've targeted smith you believe you beat him yeah
4: yeah, I've pursued this route for the last two years now, and um, I've boxed two final eliminators. So
2: this is the fight I want. We we've spoken to you in the studio a few times now, and 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 we've talked about how um, for you timings, everything like you you know you're a late maturer in many ways. I mean, you were a young maturer. You were always a, a kind of powerful, strong guy. But in terms of technique and poise and all those things, that you've bloomed later in your career.
4: Yeah, I think the, the older I've got, the wiser I've got and the more time I've spent with Tony Sims, just being in and around him, I've I've learned small things about the sport, learned a lot about myself and just really adjusted and, and grown.
3: Do you know where I think I've seen you improve and improve massively is from when you've jumped up from middleweight to super middle. Since you've become a super middleweight, you seem to have found that punching power. I think that suits you better, John, if I'm honest. You seem to have taken it to another level and, um, yeah, for me, I think this is your comfortable weight and... Um, you're going to have a great shot of that on the 23rd. It's a fight that was was has been looming for a while. We didn't know what Callum Smith was going to do, did we? Because, you know, I think certain fights have been offered to him and I wasn't sure if he was going to go stateside, so I top-ranked. Joe Gallagher wasn't really letting anything out of the bag. And all of a sudden, this bout's been made. And I've got to tell you, for people people that maybe not knowing who you are or even Callum Smith are, this is a really mouth fight. Styles make fights, and this one is going to be explosive, mate. Yeah, no, massively and, and to go
4: back to the, the move, I, I feel great at this weight. I was I was I was killing myself in the end to make me the weight and the last three, four pounds just wasn't coming off and I, I just feel comfortable now. Camp's completely different. I'm a I'm a different person to be around and I'm enjoying camp. I can learn stuff, I can absorb it, I can take it in and I can put it into in into my work. But um yeah. Callum Smith policies this is just taking care of business take, looking after each mandatory and moving on to bigger things but I'm there to upset the apple cart on the 23rd November and I believe I'm going to come away victorious. Sure.
3: And people, you know, you talk about the three or four pounds, the last three or four pounds weren't coming off. That wouldn't sound a lot of weight to the, to the normal person. But as a boxer, I know this, myself dropping down from, like, say, nine stone to eight stone ten, it's just like it used to kill me. But so for yourself, that four pound makes a huge difference. And that's what I was talking about, that I've seen the improvement. Since you stepped up in weight, you've looked like a a reborn fighter, if you like. You've been around, it seems like, for an eternity. But in the last last year or so you you have you look like a revitalized fighter and and i think that you've earned this shot mate
4: you really have no i believe i have and it's got a lot to do with who you train with and who you surround yourself with and we, we've got like the old veterans like ricky burns in the gym but then we've got the young boys like felix cash ted cheeseman they're all they're all making you up your levels all the time so we're always improving in that gym we work alongside dan lawrence with strength and conditioning and i think we've all just really
3: upped our games now yeah, Tony's really got a good stable together there, really, and, and, and you do see success, breed success, and you guys are like a real family unit down at Matchroom Gym. Again, I've been down there, I've seen how you all operate, and you go, you've got your older guys, like you say, like your Ricky Burns and all that, where you're getting all the experience from, and you've got the young guns that are coming through that give you that sharpness and keep you on your toes. So it's a real, real good combination, isn't it? It's a real, a real good combination down there.
4: Yeah, no, it is great, and you've got the likes of like Darren Barker popping in, Kevin Mitchell, and you can really just Pick their pick on their knowledge and and see where they went, things they done, and where they went wrong. And you can just really pick their brains. And if if you don't take in their knowledge, you, you're silly.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, how's the training going for the fight? Have you been Have you been in camp for a while?
4: I've I've not been out of camp. To be fair, I had two weeks off after the last fight in Vegas. Um, that's that's the thing Tony's taught me. Just you haven't got to be in the gym full time, but just just keep in, keep your hand in, keep ticking over, keep fit, keep healthy, keep strong, and the camp's just roll into one they? and you, you stay ticking over nicely and I, i've been in now for god knows how long i've been kind of week off when my uh, little son was born seven weeks ago and that's it i've been i've been back in full time and yeah i'm just gonna
2: pick it up in the next couple of weeks you know, that's the voice of john Ryder, who is in the studio with myself gareth Davis, and spencer oliver here on fight night on talk sport he is fighting for the wba super middleweight title against Callum Smith in Liverpool on November the 22nd. We'll talk about that more after this break. Yes, you're listening to Fight Club here on TalkSport. It's Saturday night, of course, and it's the night when the fists collide and the leather lands on shin bone well that's in mixed martial arts but we're talking boxing right now that is the jocular laugh of the one spencer oliver um friend of the show who's with me here tonight up until midnight but we're in the studio with a man who's fighting for a world title on november the 23rd against callum smith the wba that is the nickname of the gorilla yes.
3: the... can i just clear up as well that i'm not the grandson of normal wisdom Gareth likes to put that out there all the time. He thinks I look like Norman Wisdom. So he always calls me the grandson of Norman Wisdom. I'm clearing that up. Well, that's fine. That's cleared up. But I know you are him. No
2: because, no, because I joked about it years ago. And uh, you, you you had me going then for several months. So you actually were his grandson. and then So I'm not sure with you whether you are or not. You know, Lord, <laughs> Lord Wisdom over there, but but let's get a bit of wisdom from from John right now. Um, Callum Smith has looked very good in his last couple of years. Um, there is talk of you know him fighting he fighting the Blackhead Canelo on November the twenty third, as we've dubbed you in the studio. Um, that there is talk he wants to fight um, that Canelo um, from Mexico, the the one who's stepping up to. Light heavyweight. Let me get your view on that first of all. What do you think about Canelo fighting Sergey Kovalev at heavyweight? Light heavyweight. At
4: uh, light
2: heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Sorry.
4: Do um, you know what? It's um, it's a good. It's, it's all about legacy for him, isn't it? And to mm. to hold three freeweight world titles at would be the same time, won't it? Because mm. he's the franchise champion at middleweight. Yeah. Um, he's going back in. In the history books, isn't he? And uh, Sugar Ray Robinson couldn't do it. Like if he could, he um, he fell short. And I believe the time the timing is right for for Kovalev to go. I think he um, he really emptied the tank against Anthony Yard in his last fight, and I just believe that Canelo will take him. Body shots body
2: shots all night and and and, and also relentlessness that, mm. that that desire to fight that he has that that desire to let his combinations go because even though we've all got our views on what happened in the two Golovkin fights with Canelo he was vastly improved in the second fight I thought
3: and he actually took it to him more yeah I agree with you there I, I, I did think that um Golovkin won the first fight um and the the second fight was closer but I think Canelo he, he did. He vastly improved in that fight, without a doubt. And I'm with you, John. I think that it's perfect timing for Canelo to move up in weight. I think if he was boxing Kovalev four or five years ago, I don't think he would have won. I think Kovalev would have been too big, too strong. But I think, as we saw against Anthony Yard, you know, he's starting to maybe be a little bit past his best. I think we saw that, you know, in certain times of that fight. I think that Anthony Yard could have won the fight in the eighth round. I think he was three or four punches away from winning the fight, but inexperience let him down on that, I think. So I think the timing's perfect for Canelo, who seems to be improving at the moment, getting better. And, um, yeah, he's going to take out a good champion in Kovalev, and I fancy that. Do you agree with that, John?
4: Yeah, I do. I believe that, yeah, the timing timing is everything in boxing, and Mm. Kovalev really did empty the tank in that fight, and that, that was the difference between winning and losing there. Um... And the yard uh, didn't have the experience to, to go out the next round and in empty his tank, I think he was trying to save a bit, but um Kovalev lived to fight another day.
2: Let's talk about the stylistic differences between yourself and Callum. Obviously you're not going to give your game plan away, but where are the where are the areas that you can exploit in Callum Smith? We know he's a long fighter, that he's got power. Um I think he got George Groves at the right time, by the mm-hmm. way, as well. Um, you know, I think the 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 wrecking machine that Chris Eubank Jr. is, I think, took a lot out of George in that contest last February, and I, and I do think that that Callum Smith got him at the right time a year ago in the World Boxing Super Series.
4: Yeah, he'd come back from a shoulder surgery that he'd, he'd said had healed at the time, but who knows? Do you know what I mean, and it, he he beat a, a good champion. In fairness to him, and it, it was the final of the competition. So, what, so
2: where would you see yourself exploiting, or where will you exploit Callum Smith in this fight? Well, it's it's all there to be to be looked at and to
4: be studied with Tony, and we'll, we'll come up with a, a perfect game plan. And you, you look at his career so far; he's not really put a foot wrong, as he? he's he's dominated at every level he's boxed. And I think it's just about getting it right on the night.
2: He hasn't had the wall. One of the things I, I was last time I chatted to him was in New York on the night that Andy Ruiz upset the apple carts with that seismic. Um, shock mm. when he beat Anthony Joshua back on June the 1st at Madison Square Garden and and Callum was out there that week and of course one of the things that he hasn't really had in his career is a ring war he hasn't had a fight where he's really hurt under pressure um, and he said it's true, he said you know I kind of want a couple of those before I go out and you all do don't you, I mean I, I'm sure you don't but but the the warriors that you are, you do you want that that fight that forever and a day, people are tapping you on the shoulder in the and say, can I talk to you about that fight you had with so and so, and it's twenty years later.
4: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He he kind of did have a little bit of a shootout with Fielding didn't he, in the first round. They both had their go. I think mm. I don't know if Fielding caught him. And I think I think, think
3: what Gareth's more talking about is that the longevity of a fight. You know, when you've no, got a legacy fight. And in the trenches, and you really got a bite on the gum shield, yeah, and you question yeah. yourself three or four times. And sometimes you're on the canvas, and you get yourself back up, and you have those, those real wars. And, and you're right, Gareth, he's not been in one of those no. contests yet, but that's taking nothing away from Callum because he's mixed at a good level, but he's done the job as well. You know, it, in, in fights where we've, we expected him to, to be in tough fights, he's got the job well. Done he's had and done to be patient,
2: style. he's had to be patient in his career, he's had very frustrating times till the World Boxing Super Series came along, and it was made for him at the right age, you know, it, it was perfect timing with, with the opponents. Mm. I mean I was out there when he fought Nicky Holsken in, in um, Nuremberg and Holsken that very tough kickboxer and he had a difficult night there that that was night, his most you know? difficult night. Weirdly, weirdly won the fight easily, but it was a tough night because he couldn't put a dent in, in a little a very a very who's a proud, who's that a very tough of very proud. And that was his kind of that was his Nicky of you was in world championship fight, Nicky Halsken, you know, in boxing. And I just... I just wonder whether this could be a real guts and glory fight with you, because I know you're not going to give an inch with him.
4: No, yeah. In, in fairness, him, that that fight with Holstgren, I think he took that, that, that got made free three days' notice, mm. I think. Yeah, so, that's yeah. correct. That was a real last-minute fight. But, um, yeah, I, I hope we can do that. I hope we can put a real fight on, on for the fans and just leave it all in there on the night and with me coming away victorious and a fight that people talk about for years to come
2: when you were growing up did you dream of this night is that is this is this um is this an everest moment for you it is yeah i mean because
4: i've grown up in a time of like watching the the nigel ben newbank steve collins the, the the great fight a great era for super middleweights in this country and you, you dream about it at the time but now i'm in a position where i can i can live out of these dreams and these fights <laughs>
2: listen we've got to say goodbye shortly, but um, and I do appreciate you coming on um we're going to talk about Nigel Ben shortly. You just mentioned he was a hero of yours twenty three years away he's fifty five years of age he's a year older than me. I cannot believe, even though he looks great physically, I cannot believe, and well, I can because he's doing it, but I can't believe that he's able to get a license to do it, and you know, I spoke to Nigel in the week myself. We're going to hear from him shortly. He spoke to Adam Cattrall earlier this week. Um, Harley and and Connor, his sons, are boxing. He said it's taken 10 years for him to persuade his wife to let him come back and do this. Does it worry you that one of your heroes wants to come back and do this at the age of 55, John? Uh,
4: Not not worry me as such,
2: because I I know Nigel well now. I look at Nigel as a friend and we
4: chat i see him quite often when he's do you over with him i've never sparred with him and never would want to spar with him not not there you in go. him preparing for a fight if he was down the gym when he said true fact is having to move round?" then it's a different story do you know what i mean it's it's a chance to move around with a hero but mm. to actually throw punches in preparation for him fighting i wouldn't be very keen on why just because of his age it's, it's, a, it's a respect factor like i wouldn't want to get in a ring and punch my dad in the face and that is a friend and a and a
3: my dad my my friend's dad. So just out of respect. But it's, it's true though, isn't it, that Nigel throughout his career never really sparred anyway. It wasn't something that he'd done a lot of anyway. He didn't he didn't do much sparring in preparation for fires today. I don't really know. To be honest,
4: going back through his counts, I'm, I'm not really. I know Tony Sims used to spar with him mm. a few times. But, yeah, um, yeah. I don't yeah really but I'm know saying that. it's not
3: something that he was. Like he obviously he used to put some rounds in, but it wasn't something you know. Some fighters spar round in, round out, don't they? They have a yeah. lot of sparring. I think Nigel was, you know, he didn't spar too much in, for a lot of his fights.
4: No, I've I've never 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 heard that before. Yeah, I will have to mm. I'll quiz him on it. Check it out. Yeah.
2: John, thank you for running in from home tonight. You obviously got your run back now, was it? 22 miles to get home, run all the way home now? Yeah, I'm with a few few laps around the block, so it will take, yeah, 22 miles. (laughs) Lovely. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. John Ryder is fighting Callum Smith for the WBA super middleweight title in Liverpool on November the 23rd, and we cannot wait to see it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're listening to Fight Night on TalksWalk. Coming up next, we hear from Nigel Ben coming back to fight at the age of 55.
1: Knockout Radio for your Saturday night, fight night, on TalkSport, the home of boxing. Welcome
5: to the jungle.
2: Fun and games in the fight jungle tonight. And with me in the studio, of course, uh, is Spencer Oliver. I'm Gareth A. Davis. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport, the best three hours of the week on fight stuff, apart from Spencer's podcast. I've got to say that because Jake Wood wants to fight me all the time as (laughs) co-host on the podcast. Um, We're not going to plug it quite yet. What we are going to plug is a brilliant interview that my uh, normal co-host, Adam Catterall, did this week with 55 year old Nigel Ben, described as the fittest fifty-five-year-old on the planet as he prepares for a shock ring return. Before setting off for UFC fight night in Copenhagen this week, Adam caught up with a legend that is Nigel Ben ahead of his return to the ring after twenty three years away. And this is how that conversation went. Two things first of all, yeah I want to thank you
6: because you're one of the reasons why I'm a boxing fan right <laughs> and as well as that you helped me with your career choice because i saw you djing at q club in Faliraki back in 99 i'm telling you now bro <laughs> that was the inspiration
5: oh yeah DJ mate yeah that was it mate so yeah They're one of the things that used to get me in trouble as well yeah well back in the day back in the day we're
6: not here to talk djing we're yeah. here to talk about about this event yeah against beaker obviously on the 23rd of november what is closure? In your mind now, what is closure in your head?
5: You know, Adam, all through my career, I was struggling with a lot of the issues. Going back from 72 with the death of my brother, addicted to ecstasy, addicted to spills, smoking cigarettes, addicted to nicotine. I was just suffering with depression as well. All through my... I, I never had peace, never had happiness. And it was only when I had that encounter with Jesus when I was 40, 45... That my life changed. No smoking, no spliffing, no cheating, and my wife being faithful. And then I've always been training because I just had this addiction. I just loved training from being in the army, and I started doing a lot of Tour de France riding and you know, all. What fit men that they are, and doing a lot of altitude training. And uh, I just know that was something something still left in me. I didn't have closure, but I had peace, and I have peace now. But I need disclosure.
6: But what is that? In your mind now, in the perfect world, what is closure?
5: Having one more fight. That's it. One more fight and that's it. Put the gloves up and that's it. Boom, move on. Then being able to spend a good quality time with my wife and my kids. Why do you think you need to do that fight? Because I feel all through my career, I don't think I was at my best. Yeah, See, see, seriously, I know you might find it. Because it was always in the back of the mind. Oh, and then Benton and Hedges coming up. <laughs> it's a Smith coming up. It was. A, so I was all, it was always negativity around me. The affairs, the drug news, the depression. It was everything that. The only time I actually had peace was when I was training.
6: Okay then. Yeah. This is the second phase. Let's talk about the first phase. Up to ninety six, yeah. when you when you've originally called time. Yeah. When you look at some of those performances now, how do you look at them? How do you view them? Is, is there a moment where you go, that's my highlight?
5: No, no, I don't even actually look at them. I don't actually, excuse that's me for that. The, that yeah,
6: with due respect, for me as a yeah, massive fan of yours, yeah, that's yeah. sad. Like, some of no, the performances that you put right, in. Right,
5: right, okay. I think because you don't know where I've been. When you've cheated on a woman that you've loved so much that. It's very hard to talk about the Eubanks fight, talk about the Watson fight, because there was always something negative attached to that. It was either drugs, it was either being unfaithful to the woman I love. It was always, So it was always something. Now that I'm in a place now, where I'm in a good place, that I can't reminisce about... Well, now you can talk about Faleraki... But it's like because it went a little tight. Do you understand? It's something that was always attached to boxing. The Dark Destroyer was always attached to darkness. And so it was always like I just couldn't get my head around it. I weren't happy. All through my career, I was suffering depression. I was never happy. Never happy. Now, I'm in a good place. So back
6: then, were you using boxing as an out? Is that what you were using it for? To escape real real life?
5: No, I was doing drugs. To, to do the boxing was just that was just in me it was just doing drugs and everything that that was that took me away because when I weren't training that's when everything just come against me because that's death of my brother kind of really was still playing up in my mind because then you had another incident with Stephen Lawrence and all that so my head was all going crazy so I had all that kind of negativity around me And so me taking little pills took me away from that dark place that I didn't want, the place that I didn't want to be in.
6: So with that then in mind, do you look then back at that boxing career and think, flipping heck, I achieved some things. If you're in a mess, you're in a dark place, you're taking all that, and you become the (laughs) WBC super middleweight champion of
5: the world. Yeah, and the WBO, don't. And then get get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, okay, mate, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and in the Hall of Fame, so I had to get that in because you didn't we weren't gonna yeah. we'll to together. I apologise, yeah. We're working together. Yeah, so yeah, so it, it was like um, it wasn't no to achieve that, going yeah. through that, is still that was something. Start, that all started through the army that gave me that discipline to go through all that. I had that, 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 that I had that discipline in my head from the army to cheers, buddy, to get me through all that. So how do you know then this time
6: round, when you say one for closure? It's one, and I'm out, and then I'm off to go and enjoy my time in Australia with my family. How do you know?
5: First of all, from my wife and my kids. And second of all, I've got so much work to do out in Australia. Me and my wife, we both work for Hillsong Church. And we we hurt a lot. My wife hurts a lot of broken women. I try and help a lot of broken men. And I used to go around painting, doing gardening for the old ladies and all that. Uh, and painting inside the house. There's things that I enjoy because that's the army discipline, the army army stuff that I like doing. Not chasing nothing. Do you understand? Yeah. You, you're sitting there while you well, you're helping no, this not old woman. Yeah, yeah. You're giving back. So, yeah, absolutely. So when you do stuff like that, I mean, that's a blinder. You can't bet than that. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me that opportunity to be able to do that.
6: Talk to me about the light bulb moment because you mentioned Jesus and you have yeah. mentioned religion a couple of times.
5: Yeah, absolutely. The light bulb moment happened in 98. Like, but it wasn't actually 98. That was when I tried to commit suicide. But the light bulb moment came on in, um, I think, about 2008, where um, I started confessing everything to my wife. That was when I started confessing 16 years of affairs, drug use and everything. That's when it all changed, because what happened stopped spliffing. And, and I tried... Listen... You know, when you make a New Year's resolution, you know, I'll stop smoking and all that. Then, like, you know, after, after about a week, I'll just have one cigarette for breakfast, one for lunch, and then next minute you end up smoking. You, you're back to the same... This is over 20 years. Jesus comes in, stops flipping, stops taking it to see, stops cheating them wife. Everything just dropped off and never been back to that dark Why place. Jesus? Why
6: Jesus at that moment? Because people confess. They don't necessarily find a higher power. Oh, no, Why no, for no. you?
5: What, why, why Jesus? Because... Jesus says in, in, in John fourteen seven. he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one but no one gets to the Father except through me. By me accepting Jesus in my life, I know he's real. For me, it's nothing else that matters. But having him in my life, I mean, like, let's, say if, let's say he wasn't real. What a great life I've lived since he's been in my life. I used to, I used to swear, cuss, everything. Ephesians four twenty nine, say let no unwholesome word proceed forth from your mouth. (gasps) Oh right, okay, got to change that. And I was always angry in James one, it said be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man has not achieved the righteousness. I've got something. Wow, okay, this is what you said. That's the blueprint of life. And if everybody kind of sits to what he reads, what a great life that we have. And I'm doing that right now, and I'm actually enjoying it. I have peace. I can see you're enjoying it. You've
6: got, a sw- you've got a twinkle in your eye. Oh, thank you. Why Beaker? Why Beaker?
5: I had... Because you could have done something easier. Let's I, be straight. I had Collins, I had Eubanks, I had Roy Jones, wanted a lot of money. It all... It all
6: Became were these legitimate conversations? So you had a conversation with Chris, you had a conversation with Steve, you had a Listen, conversation with we Roy. Was
5: nearly, we were nearly there with Steve. And then he said, oh, I want to be guaranteed 50%. So I said, I'll give him 50%. But then he want to, I wanted a contract sign, If you know. I want to, you know, guarantee. And I said, oh, you know what? Then it became about money for everybody else. And it wasn't about money for me. It's about me having closure. So then, and then, be, and then, be, and then I said, Lord, it's time for these people. Get me someone, Lord, that just wants to fight. And then Beaker came out and thought, well, OK, no problem whatsoever. He just wants to fight.
6: You said in the press conference you're not going back to Australia, huh? you're going to be training here. Absolutely. So talk to me about that plan, where we're we going to be training, who we're we going to be training I, I, with.
5: I'll be, I'll be, I'll be training uh, um, at Matchroom Gym, and then I'll train at 4Galaxy, then I'll be at the BRX Gym. So I've got a lot of gyms to work with, working with my son. Then, um, then my trainer from Australia will fly over and then we would put the icing on the cake. But listen, you'll mostly see the best of me now. I know you might find it hard to believe, but you'll mostly see the best of me now.
6: You can understand why fans are yeah. a little bit apprehensive because yeah, they loved you in the 90s, yeah, yeah. you know? They loved you and absolutely. they don't want
5: to see you get hurt or anything absolutely. like that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so funny. People all worry about he don't get hurt. Do, do you understand? There's two men in the fight, understand yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, because because it, it, it's like um, when everyone wrote me off for Joe McLean. I'm actually much more fit in now than when I was then. It's the same feeling, how I feel if it, I'm the underdog. All right, we'll see.
6: Listen to you speak today about the things that were going on in your life, yeah. outside of the ring, when you, were, when you were coming to the close of your career in yeah. 96. The way that you conceptualise it makes a lot of sense now, whereas yeah. from the outsider looking in that didn't know what you were going through would see. Maybe the McClellan fight's taken something away from Nigel, you no, know? No,
5: that was never... You've, yeah.
6: you've had three fights at the end of your career there against Malinger and the two with Steve where they think maybe something's gone. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah.
6: But no. you don't put it down to that. You put it down to external things no, no, going
5: listen. on. No, listen. Harley was born. Connor was born. Wife about to leave me. Oh, yeah, all right, Steve, I'm going to fight you. I'm not thinking of fight. I'm trying to save my marriage. My wife and my knight in shining armour, I'm trying to save that. Yeah, that's, that's what's more important not about fighting. I want, that wife be, I want my wife beside me. In 28 years now, she's still beside me. That's a real woman. 100%. Can't be, you know, night is shining armor. She's mostly sitting there. Oh, when are you going to take over, now? when are you going to lead me? You know? But, yeah, she's a lovely woman.
6: Just to finish then. Yeah. 23rd of November. Yeah. Talk me through it. What do you see?
5: Do you know what it is? Everyone thinks that he's going to be putting pressure on me. I'm just going to be putting pressure on him. 100%. 100%. That's all I'm going to say. It ain't going to be the other way around, mate. I'll, I'll assure you. I'm going to be putting pressure on him. I'm going to be putting pressure on him.
6: Win, lose, lose or draw. This is it.
5: I don't know about losing, mate. <laughs> no, I'm going to no one fight and that's it, mate. That's it. 100%. Buddy. Same ring walk, same shorts. Come on, you're rolling it back, no, aren't you? No, no, it's not the Dark Destroyer, it's Nigel, Benjamin, Button Ben. So there's going to be a whole new outfit.
2: Well, that's fascinating. We'll talk more all night about the legend that is Nigel Ben coming back at the age of 55 but joining us next uh i think a guy that could go on and become a welsh legend in fact there's a welsh legend that's come in with him gavin reese tonight we're gonna get gavin in we've got cody davis for for about a half an hour two segments but we've got to get gavin reese in he's looking i tell you what he looks like a mini mike tyson at the moment
3: they're all laughing out there, but I want to get him. in. Gavin's here, Spencer. Yeah, he is. Great little fighter, Gavin. Back in the day, mate, tough as old boots. And um, yeah, he still looks like he could have a go, doesn't he? he listen,
2: he was a very good, light like, welter and welter. And I tell you what, we've got a great well. We should ask him about um Errol Spence and Sean Porter later on as well. But he was reluctant. He was always reluctant to put himself uh, in front of the media. He, he's, he's a reluctant hero for me. But let's get him in here. They're listening to fight... Night on Talksport. I'm Gareth Davis with Spencer Oliver. We're right back with Cody Davis
1: in a minute. Knockout Radio for your Saturday night fight night on Talksport, the home of boxing. Steel, Snooker, Di, Di, Di. Guess who's back?
7: stay
2: that rhythm means it's fight night here on Talksport. I'm Gareth Davis, Spencer Oliver in the studio with me, friend of the show, and joining us now one of my tribe, another Davis, Cody Davis from Wales. Um, are you watching the rugby at all? Rugby World Cup at
8: the moment? No, I'm really out time. We, me and Gavin's always, always in the gym training. We just come out with a, a long training camp, so we just focus on um, just training and boxing really. You know, Japan beat Ireland today, though.
2: It's unbelievable. I they did, beat I South Africa in the in the, in the last Rugby World Cup, of course. Got to talk rugby when I've got a fellow mm. Welshman in as well. Um, I bet you would have been a decent flanker or something like that when you played yeah, rugby I, I when you were play, younger. Yeah,
8: I broke my thumb when I was a kid playing rugby, so my dad banned me. So <laughs> he's been ever since.
2: They, it, it, it just doesn't make sense, does it? You know, were you a decent rugby player? I'd like think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure why anyone else would say though.
3: <laughs> is um, there any, is there any bad rugby players from Wales? I don't think there is any bad ones, is there? Well, it's the national sport, apart
2: from fighting, of course. <laughs> but that's normally on a Friday and Saturday night. How did you <laughs> grow up and get into fighting, into boxing?
8: Um, well, my dad, my dad was long time friends with Joe Kazagi. They they grew up together, and he was around the, the the training and all stuff like that. And eventually, brought me into the the boxing environment. I fell in love with the game when I was a, a young kid, and we started training. My dad put a gym in the garden for me, and um, you know, I I. I Trained every single day after school, and one thing led to another. I was on the, the Welsh boxing team, then I moved up to Team GB, then turned pro with Gavin, and,
2: and now here I am. What does the gym in the garden look like then? How, talk us through the kind of structure of the of gym in the garden. So you weren't out running around the park drinking uh, Strongbow after school, you were kind of militarily drilled in the back garden for, for a couple of hours every night. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah we had the proper gym. It was all affiliated with the, the Welsh Amateur Boxing Association, it was a proper job. Um, it was a proper gym, you know. We had all the gear in there. We were in like a little a shed, and I think that was a proper building. And and yeah, that's where um that's where I first started punching bags and. And that's where it got me where I am now. So
3: did you have the ring and, and all that in there? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. We, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a camera. Was a 12 by 12, 12 or something? or was No, it... it was a little square on the concrete floor. <laughs> yeah, that's why they all like having a fight. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Do you remember Joe Calzaghi's gym back in the oh, day? God, of it course was like, I do. Like, I, I, you know, I got wet there every time it was raining. Yeah. And I remember in the ring right in Joe Calzaghi's gym. Now, this is like the greatest British fighter that we've probably ever been to. The prettiest ring you've ever seen. It was carpet on the floor yeah. and they had a floor-to-ceiling ball with one of those Big metal hooks coming out, and that always concerned me because I thought if someone got knocked out and actually went down and hit that hook, it could be, could be curtains. It was it was like the the worst tin shack
2: you could ever imagine. <laughs> it was like out of deepest darkest yeah. third world, wasn't it? Yeah. But it did the trick. And it, what what really did the trick, and it always fascinates me, is the legacy of Joe Calzaghe. Because he was such a reluctant... I always talk about... I always argue with Frank Warren, the promoter of Frank Warren, about this and say that it wasn't until the last couple of years of Joe's uh, career, you know, the, the, the Kessler fights, the, um, the that, that night in Cardiff. I'm sure you remember that night in Cardiff. Yeah, 80,000 yeah. people, three in the morning fight, you know, everyone spilling out onto the streets. You know, Bernard Hopkins, Roy Jones Jr., those years of Joe Calzaghe, that that the you know the Italian dragon, the, the unbeaten years where it was playing on his mind, really resonated in Wales, didn't it? And it must have had an effect on you growing up. Yeah, of course it. I think it's had an effect on a lot
8: of young kids, um, you know, my age, watching Joe come through the ranks as as a schoolboy. You know, you want to aspire to be that. That's that's a, a lot of the reason why I go into boxing. You know, I'm I'm around the area that I live in is I'm very fortunate. We've got Gavin a former world champion, Nathan Cleverly, former world champion, Joe Kazagi, obviously retired and defeated. You know, with all all in a small, small little area, so it's great for boys, you know, young boys to to look up and see these kind of people around where, where they're from, and it, it helps us realise that it doesn't matter where you're from if you have got these fancy gyms or or wherever you got, You know, like you just said yourself, they they was brought up in the in a little tin shed, and and you know they did it. Also, why can't we? And that's yeah. the attitude now I got.
3: Yeah, I think that success breeds success, doesn't it? And when you get someone, you know, coming out like, like Joe Calzaghi, who's come out of Wales and done it the hard way, he didn't have the fancy gyms, he didn't have all the equipment, you know, he just had him and his dad and they used to work. I went down there training with him actually. I went down there for a week training with Joe and, and with, um, the late Enzo Calzaghi. And, and honestly, it was phenomenal. And do you know what it is about boxing? Is you get out of boxing what you put in and Joe Calzaghi. Used to work unbelievably hard. You got them steps, you run up them steps. You yeah, do I've done that. Them steps, yeah, so you yeah. do the steps, and they used to train. But Those horrible been... little tiny concrete
8: uh, steps. Yeah, 50
3: sets every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, Garrett, it was slippery when it was wet.
8: Yeah, especially when you're going
3: down, that. Right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was just like another level. Do you know what I mean? You take it, they took it to the extremes and they proved that you don't need all the fancy gear. You just need to put the work in.
2: But without Enzo as well, when you talk about the late Enzo and, you know, you, the thing is with Enzo, you go along with your dictaphone When I was interviewing him and it'd be every other word would be F and blind and F and blind. And he's only that way, Sicilian and Welsh. And <laughs> like that. You go back and you've interviewed him for half an hour, about four words you could use. Um, but he was a brilliant motivator and a dedicated um, fan, if you like. He was Joe Calzaghe's biggest fan. And and I think, you know... They were chalk and cheese in many ways, because Enzo was the extrovert, the musician. Um, and Joe was a very introverted character in many ways. Um, you know, we've become great friends as the years have gone on. and But he, he without Enzo, I don't think he would have got to where he, he really climbed to in the end, you know?
8: Yeah, I think Enzo obviously played a massive part in Joe's career. You know, especially, you know, he's living with him day and day out as his father. So he obviously learned a lot from his dad outside the ring as well. And um, inside the ring, Enzo. Everybody knows what Enzo is like. You um, train Gavin, so I think mean, Gavin uses a couple of his methods with me, and the, the, it's intense, you know. It's um.
2: What does he do? In well, the, in the, in terms of using those methods, then what 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 does he do in that it's sense? Like, like we just talking
8: about the all these um new fancy gyms and things like that. It's the complete opposite. It doesn't matter what you you got, you know. It's just hard work. It's just graft. Hard work. And like you said yourself, you you get in what you you get. You get out what you put in. Um, when you got Gavin training you or Enzo Kazagi training you, you have got no choice but to give hundred percent. Or you get you get you
3: get your backside kicked, so yeah, you got you got to work. Well that was Gavin's style though, wasn't it? It was just like work, 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 and he just wore people down. He was tough as tough as they come. And it is and it is that. And it's like you knew if you're boxing someone like Gavin, who was very short for his weight. Was he what was he, like welterweight? Was it like, like Welter like, and Welter was was it, And yeah. Welter, yeah, very short for his weight for his squat and you, he just be such a workhorse, man. And I think that you know when you was fighting someone out of that stable or, or someone from down down in Wales, you knew he was in for a tough night.
8: Yeah, it's a trademark, especially when you've been trained by by Enzo. Because I use a trademark, the work rate, the work rate is what yeah. played a massive part in all the boys' careers between Enzo.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, like I say, I, I, I still remember that week. Like it was like I think it was back in two thousand. Now it was a long time ago. I still remember that week. That was like the hardest week I ever had. And I was, I, I was considered myself in shape, but that just took it to another level. Like Enzo was just like he was the lunatic for training. He really was. <laughs> but
2: the funny thing about Gavin, of course, he he ended his career at lightweight. I think it was. And but obviously, he, obviously, beat Sullivan and for the for the world title. Um, You're being trained by a world champion, you know, like you say, who came out of a gym, but also came out of an area, you know, when you go back through, you know, I I do always like to pull history in here, you'll have heard of Howard Winston and Jimmy Wilde, these are guys who weren't just Welsh champions, but they were global figures in the sport, you know, Jimmy Wilde, Howard Winston, Jimmy Wilde, you know, was revered. Is revered by historians of boxing. Wales is a very tough place. It still has communities where people are—they're not ghettos. People—we st- don't really have ghettos in the UK because you know, if you don't have a home, if you don't have a job, you—you you have somewhere to sleep, and you have—you know—the welfare state looks after you. But there, there are really tough places in Wales, aren't there?
8: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, where, com- where I come from is not a lot. You know, up in the valleys, boxing is the main thing, really. There's not a lot for for the young kids growing up. So luckily for me, I didn't fall into, like you said, go going out and getting drunk after school. I, I, and my dad um kept me kept kept this with my dad growing up. But it's obviously paying off now. But yeah, I was one of the lucky ones. A lot of my friends have gone off the rails and and they Spliff, not a drink exactly, all those things. Yeah, no, it's life, isn't it? That the things,
2: opiates. Yeah. People are people are medicating against the lack of opportunity, and that's what's caused it. You know, I, I think it's getting better in Wales, though, isn't it?
8: Yeah, I think it's getting better in Wales, yeah um, A lot uh, a lot of people are starting to do well now Jack Shaw just put just some fallout in um, Copenhagen in, in his first fight in the UFC, he just won that There's another Welsh boy, um, John, John Phillips. Phillips Yeah, so yeah, Wales doing well There's a, there's a lot of, of um, rising stars, I think, coming from Wales
2: Is MMA growing in Wales more than boxing at the moment?
8: Um, I wouldn't compare it to boxing It's definitely growing at a, a fast rate Yeah, there's gyms opening up all over the place Have you had a role or not? No, nah, I haven't had a role. No, all fights start in their feet, so I'm, I'm <laughs> <that people.
2: laughs> But you've never done any wrestling or jiu jitsu? I had yeah. a little
8: mess about ju- my, my best friend Joe Kazai, you're doing the um, at the Roger Gracie Academy. All oh, right, yeah. In London, and you tried to teach me a little bit
3: before. Enzo Uh, Macarinelli loves a bit of jiu-jitsu and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, he trains hard, doesn't he? He's always chiming in. Roger Gracie used to train in my team, actually, for boxing. He used to come down, he was training with Don Charles at the time, just to improve his hands, because he was, you know, they were good when they, the Gracies are are famous for getting on the floor, but he, he learned a lot from boxing with his hands, and yeah, he's interested. We'll talk
2: more with Cody Davis, who's our studio guest right now, here on Fight Night in a minute. We'll be back after this.
1: On DAV Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport.
2: It's Fight Night here on Talk Sports. It's Saturday night. It's always Fight Night on Saturday night. I'm Gareth A. Davis with me, Spencer Oliver, friend of the show in the studio. And also Cody Davis, Welsh super middleweight, British super middleweight. Um, you fight at super middleweight, Cody, and. Uh, light heavyweight um, but you may well be fighting at light heavy because the, the title's vacant, the British title's vacant at Yeah, the yeah. there's a bit of confusion with this my my last fight was against Zach Um
8: we wanted to fight him as super middleweight but he declined the fight a number of times then he decided to move to light heavyweight so we followed him to light heavyweight asked for the fight there, then they accepted so um, I, I obviously beat him two weeks ago and now I'm mandatory for a British title shot at light heavyweight
2: But it's vacant at the moment, the title, isn't it? Yeah, I
8: believe it's vacant at the moment, yeah um, I know, I know. Craig Richards is also mandatory, but um, you know, me and Gavin—we got plans now to move back down to super, super middleweight while I'm still relatively young. We're gonna do what we can at super middleweight before inevitably I'll have to move back to. Because you got a big
2: frame, haven't you? Yeah,
8: you know, I'm, 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 you know, you mature as you get older, and I think is the time's gonna come where I'm not gonna be able to make super middleweight.
2: Tell Spencer that, yeah, mm. that you mature as you get older. It sounds that nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> or, t- or, or tell Nigel Ben that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, What do you think about Coming back at 55, well, we want to know, we, we've kind of given our opinions. I'm mm. very saddened by it, I'm... and I'm worried about it. We heard from Nigel Benn earlier on, and he was saying, Cody, right, that, um, you know, you're already thinking about going up to light heavyweight because you know your body's going to thicken yeah. up, yeah? And you know you can't kind of drain your cells for too long and cut weight all the time, and you need to live right. Nigel was saying earlier, coming back after 23 years away at the age of 55 because he wants closure, because he didn't have that... That last fight, where he was clean because he was depressed, he talked about suicide just now in the, the interview with Adam Catterall, and he wants closure, one more fight, and move on. That's surely dangerous, isn't it? Well, my, my opinion is, I think it's good for him. You know, if he was if he was in a, a bad
8: place, talking about suicide and things like that, and and boxing makes him feel better, then why not crack well, on? But that
2: was then, you know, that's what you're saying. It was yeah,
8: haven't gone over, over that yet, right. if, he, if he's still thinking about it now, he obviously have not gone over that
2: mentally. So mm. I think, I, you know, if he's going to make him feel better, then crack on. So you think people should be licensed at 55. How would you feel if your dad said he wanted to have a fight now at his age? Nah,
8: that's a different story, is You're asking me uh, as a, as, from a fighter's point of view about
3: another fighter who's, who's boxed all his life. When you're a boxer, when you're fighting in your blood. You can't just turn it off. I mean, here's, here's my problem with it, that Nigel Ben had his last fight 23 years ago. Now, we're talking about a guy that's 55 years of age, and it's not the fact that Nigel Ben, who I know is in great shape, and I know that... You know, mentally, he'll still think that he can do that. My problem is that when Nigel Benn comes back, he's got to come back at some sort of level. He can't come back and box Joe Bloggs in, in a six-round fight or whatever. Now, the fight's been made on November the 23rd against Sakio Obeika. Now, he's still active. He's 40. No, two years ago, he retired, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's retired, sept- but he was active. 17, 2017, 17, 2017, yeah. Yeah. 2017, he retired, so he's still active. Um... And, and that's a worry for me because Beaker, as we know, he beat Boxed Kazagi before. He give he give him a tough time. He's a former world champion. He's a decent fighter, and he's only forty. Is he forty or forty two years of age? Forty. Yeah, forty he's forty years of age. That's a big gap, right? Jumping from forty to fifty, let alone fifty five. So, well, I Beaker's know, got three punches left, right in his head as well. Absolutely. That's what worries me. And, and my worry is that. When you're sparring in the gym, you your 16-ounce gloves on, as you know, Cody, right? You've got your 16-ounce gloves, your head guards on. Sparring and fighting is chalk and cheese, right? It's two totally different things. Yeah, of course. And that's concerning for me. Nigel's got someone as tough as he's got. And I get that he wants closure. I totally understand it. But I think father time waits for no one. And I believe at fifty-five years of age, if Nigel was going to do it, he should have done it maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago. But it's taken him ten years. He told me to persuade
2: his wife to let him do it. But and I think, but I think Harley and Connor, his son's boxing, has really given him the itch, and he's got to scratch it. One of the things that I was saying, Spencer, when we were listening to the interview earlier on, that obviously the 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 um, the listeners would have heard as well, was that. If he was going to have one fight, surely the fight that would have made him millions would have been with Chris Eubank, yeah? Yeah, Not even Steve Collins, but Chris Eubank. And And he did touch on that, that money was talked about, because that would have been a big money fight. But as he's saying, it's not about the money. It's just... To put on the grease paint one more time, lace up the gloves, get out there and just do the thing.
3: But this is my problem. This is my problem that we've got going into this fight. Now, a lot of people, you know, you know some people like yourselves are saying, yeah, well, good luck to him. You know, freedom of choice, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. At 55 years of age, now say, God forbid, we know what a dangerous sport this is. And occasionally we get injuries occur. Say, God forbid, something happened in that fight. <coughs> um... What would that do to the sport of boxing that he's been allowed? The British Boxing Board of Control, by the way, haven't allowed him, haven't sanctioned him to box. He's gone and got a license elsewhere, but he's boxing in this country. But I mean, this is my concern, you know, and I'm not doubting that Nigel Benn is a warrior and he's everyone's childhood hero and he's a British icon and he's a British, you know, he's a British legend. So I just. I find it really difficult Him coming back at 55 That's my big problem
8: I agree with that Boxing's under a lot of scrutiny You know You see these young boys 22, 23 And they're passing away From from tough fights But you know It is what it is you know, you know They're picking strawberries it's Boxing is fighting At the end of the day mm. And you know You talk about You talk about um, You talk about him Sparring with sixty ounce gloves He knows what it's like The fight he's been doing it All his life Yeah sure but, um, Yeah
2: go on. Thank you Spence oh, look, Let's move subjects A minute Um um, and it's and it's and it's another thing I want to get Cody's view on. Really, is that Billy Joe Saunders, another super middleweight, is going to um, fight in Los Angeles in November as well on that card? Yes. KSI and Logan Paul. I know yeah, you are yeah. grinning. Is that right that they they suddenly become pros?
8: Well, it's not right, it's not wrong, is it? They they they, they got as as much right to turn pro as, as we have. There is nothing saying they can't turn pro because they do YouTube videos. But for for them to be headlining and and Billy Joe be on the end of the card, I think it's a bit of a joke. But it is what it is, you know. There's obviously some big demand for it, so uh, that, that that that's the only reason why they got all these thousands of millions of, sub- of sub-
3: subscribers, and not one of them are boxing fans. Yeah, Billy sees it as a, a, a big opportunity to gain new fans. You know, I I actually help promote that first fight with KSI Logan Paul. The first one. I put the one that, that made 150 million yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, I put that event on and I didn't get anything out of that like that sort of money, so don't worry about that. Well, that's but why I, you're here tonight. I, cause yeah, cause yeah, if you absolutely. had, if
2: you, got, if you got 30%, we wouldn't be seeing you anymore. But we'd I'd be put visiting av- on your island <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be getting an invite with your
3: helicopter. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I, I wouldn't would be a helicopter, could you? Right, so this this is my point. I put that event on and we done it as a, 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 like, a, as a white-collar sort of event and it was good fun. And the average age of the crowd was 13 years. The oldest person in there was probably 15 and there was kids running around screaming and and it was just like it was insane and it, it was fun now they've both turned professional and now it's become you know we've got no head guards small gloves <laughs> i blame yeah. i blame spencer oliver <laughs> simple as that it's going to be a totally different fight it really is but well, it's I mean, cruiserweight, isn't it that they're fighting this yeah well. yeah. yeah and calia's size like sort of my size
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen. Uh, they've got decent physiques, both guys, and Logan Paul, Russell. But it, I just want. It's nice to get the take of a current professional um, who, you know, your, 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 I think your view is valid, and it's that they're entitled to do it. But in a way, um, it, it 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 does. Why should they be making huge money using the sport that you? dedicate your life to that's what that's what concerns me
3: but well, i think what it will listen we've got if they get i don't know last fight they had a billion views across all their channels one billion views logan bought ksi one now if you get as billy said himself you get two percent of that that a ripple effect that become boxing fans and boxing wins you know so i think you're targeting a new crowd that. Are, not boxing at all they're, they're predominantly YouTubers but they, they, they're they not boxing fans but you will get some of those turn over and go you know what actually I like this and they see Billy Joe on the undercard now that's Billy's fault I spoke to him about it spoke to him about it. we'll, we'll he hear from him he later gain, on in yeah. your interview with him we will hear later sure. on tonight. but he said he will gain new fans so listen I think it can only be good for the sport boxing's changing in a big way Cody I want to
2: ask you finally before you have to go tonight So uh, you you've got your partner here with you your girlfriend or your wife maybe Wife to be, your wife to be, <laughs> and you—you you, you all look dressed up, ready to go out um, in London tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm going. I'm going to go and teach Gavin and um,
8: his wife and Robin how to that bust some moves now. Oh, <laughs> nice. So where
2: can we see you busting some moves, like egg. John? Egg. Okay, okay. Wow, egg.
3: you're really going for it,
2: in going Egg. For it, don't I don't might wow. drop in at Egg. Well, getting, egg in Camden, yeah. Uh, Anyone, uh, I, I might. I might drop in there on the way back. I can actually Pop see put my, my heels <laughs> on and get out there. I can
3: actually see you in
2: Egg, actually. Listen, I, you look on my Instagram, and, and on, on, on Wednesday night in Dublin, I've got to tell you this, on Wednesday night in Dublin, I went out with five of the Bellator um, digital team, media team, and we ended up out, we had a lovely um, meal in a place called Tallax, an area of, of Dublin, and we got this huge taxi bus on the way home that was a converted ambulance, yeah? And we got in there, and one of the boys said to the driver, "'Can we have a bit of music?' And he decked out the whole thing in in flashing lights. Have you been in one of these? No. There was, like, acid acid trance on there suddenly, all these flashing lights. <laughs> it was a, about, it, it was, was a rave. It was a rave in the bus. Like, yeah. And unfortunately, I was leading the rave for about a good 20 minutes. Like, There's a minute of it on my Instagram. It was absolutely mad. It sounds like egg on wheels. Uh, it, yeah, egg on wheels, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because, um, you know, right down in the day, you remember this, we used to go to Bagley's yeah, around absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. Kings Cross. Bagley's is closed yeah. now. And that was the, the, the egg of its day. The, the white gloves and whistles. Can I just ask you one serious thing before you do go there? And, yeah, and um your your sister passed away tragically um earlier this year um and I know that it's something that you've re- you're very plugged into, and that a lot of fighters take these things because you're you're all spiritual guys in many ways, and you use it as great motivation in your life
8: yeah of course um you know it's obviously is is a devastation for my my entire family um it was it was all unexpected and and as I explained before, it turned my life upside down. Um, you, you talk about being spiritual and being religious and things like that, but when when something that catastrophic happens, and um, and you're there and you see you see things firsthand and you know you feel everything proper, then everything gets shaken. Reli- religion gets shaken. Ev- everything gets shaken. You know, you start to question everything. You, you question life itself. You question everything. It's a terrible, terrible time. I wish it upon nobody. Um, People say you, you're gonna use it as motivation, use it as this or that, blah. blah I'm not gonna use it as nothing. No, of course I'm not. I'm not gonna use the fact that I've lost my sister as, as anything. What's what's done for me is 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 made me prioritize my life a lot more efficiently. You know, I've, I've got a lot more stronger morals right now. um I, I feel a lot more grateful for for what I have. I've got a fantastic family. I've got a beautiful girlfriend. I've, I've got a fantastic boxing coach. You know, it, it makes me appreciate things like that. Um, you know, back a couple of years ago, everything was going great. You know, all my family was here. Um, Everything was good. We've fallen upon some hard times. And, and you know, it makes you realize that you, you have to appreciate where you go. If you don't appreciate where you go, you don't, you, don't, you know, why why not? You know, you it's, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. Every person that loves you is a gift. And everything good and everything positive, they're all gifts. And you really need to, to treasure those people in your life and make sure that they know as well, you know, if there's one thing I could do now. It'd be to have one 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 more conversation with my sister, you know, to, to touch her one more time, to to speak to her again, and and I think people who who are in the position that I was in a couple of years back, when everything was perfect, you know, you got to let these people know, and yeah, if, if I if I learn if if I could give any advice from from what
2: I dealt with this, that you need to make sure your loved ones know that you appreciate them. Beautifully said, Cody. Um, and and it's been an absolute pleasure to to meet you in the studio tonight. Likewise, and and, and listen to you. What a brilliant young man you are. Thank you. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport.
9: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
8: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Go toe-to-toe to toe with the biggest names in boxing. Fight Night on TalkSport. Let's go!
2: Set, cut. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport. Talk. We just had the wonderful young boxer uh, from Wales, super middleweight and light heavyweight, Cody Davis, in the studio. How powerful was that, Spence, talking about what he's learned about himself and his life um, through
3: the passing of his sister at a monumental moment in his life. Absolutely, Yeah, do you know what that Gareth? That really touched me. I've got to be honest, mate. It was um, that was a really inspirational talk. We've set, we've heard certain people before talking about you know whether they've lost people those sort of motivates him to do certain other things and he didn't he didn't go down that road and it was just like yeah i found that i was really touched by that interview it really touched and um yeah he's a really level-headed kid cody davison he's got a bright future in the sport as well and i think he's right going down to super middle first doing what he can do there and then moving up to light heavyweight it gives him a real shot but yeah he's a great little fighter Thanks Spence Well it's a revolving door here tonight A man who
2: uh, lit up the Albert Hall to, uh, last night Has joined us, Archie Sharp How are
13: you mate? Yeah lovely thanks, thanks for having me on tonight Got a couple of stitches there in the left eyebrow? Yeah a couple of butterfly stitches Yeah a clash of heads in the third uh, But you <coughs>
2: must feel very sweet in your hands today That that boxing, you made boxing look very easy last night
13: uh, Yeah it was <laughs> It was um, a yeah, lovely shot Um Talk show. us through it. Talk us through it. So obviously the first couple of rounds was just about trying to get my rhythm. It was an awkward south uh, we did expect that. Um once I started to find my my uh, my rhythm and I started to find my feet, we obviously we landed a great shot and, and ended the uh ended the night.
3: Yeah, I mean listen, that's what that's what champions do, mate. I think that you saw that he was a very awkward customer and he'd Declan come out... Declan McGarity. Yeah. yeah. He would come out and he was switching all yeah. over the place, throwing shots from unusual angles. Now, I was sitting at home... I was just sitting there, chilled out. I had a beer there, just enjoying <laughs> it. And I thought, wow, Archie's in for a hard night here because he was he was, he was, was a box of tricks. And I saw that you couldn't really sort of find your... You couldn't find your rhythm. Your, your timing was a little bit out. And then out of nowhere, boom, that has got to be... One of the best left hooks. He was chopping down short left hook. And that's one of the best left hooks. That will go down as probably knockout of the year. It's got to. But one of the best looks left hooks I've seen for a long time.
13: That's how you turn a fight around. Well, exactly that. That's why we have 10 and 12 rounds. Because, like, like I say, just about getting into the... Just learning to adapt. Just adapting to his style. was very awkward, uh, awkward fighter. But we got the job done. That was what we was there for. Um, I come back after the first and second. I said to Richard, my trainer, I said, look, we are down here. And I do, I do know that we are down. But just let me, do you know what I mean? Let me get my uh, rhythm going and I will catch this fella. And obviously we did in a fourth.
3: Yeah, I mean, you showed a lot of maturity through that fight. For a guy that's, you know, I know you're taking, was it his 17th contest? Yeah, 17th, yeah, 17th fight, yeah. 17th fight undefeated as a, as a pro done unbelievable as an amateur won numerous titles th- you know British European titles etc etc so you've always going to have a bright pros- um, bright career in boxing but there when things weren't going quite right for you you kept a level head you kept it together
13: and landed that sweet shot and that's a sign of a good fighter yeah no I much appreciate that obviously uh, when I sit there and I study the greats like Mayweather uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez for example when he boxed I Amir mean, Khan he was behind on the scorecards there um, but uh, um, Canelo Alvarez knew that all it takes that one shot, and that's kind of what we had in front of us last night. I knew that. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't expect to get him out so early, but that's a shot that we've been working on for ages. The left hook and. Uh and yeah, we found
2: it. Let's talk a little bit. You're 22 years of age. 24 now. 24, yeah. you are. Sorry. They've That's got 22 right. here. No, um, <laughs> oh, he looks 22. 24. He doesn't even look <laughs> 22. Um, you, look, how did you get into boxing? I mean, our listeners won't know a lot about you. They, but people will have seen what you did against Declan Garrity last night on the undercard of uh, Daniel Dubois' Commonwealth uh, heavyweight winning. Um, knockout of Ebenezer Tetty how did you get into boxing? tell us all about it
13: so I started at the age of 7 my dad took me down to a local gym at the age of 7 yeah at first it was just all fun just getting into the the, uh, boxing learning how to uh, look after myself put my hands up and a bit of discipline as well and then I got to the age of 11 when I started competing and then yeah that started my first national title won my first national title and then from there I kind of stuck at the sport When did you know that you was going to be a boxer? Did you know that from a young age? Um, Yeah, I've always... When I got into the gym, like I said, at the start, it was just very innocent. It was just going in there, learning to keep fit, just getting into the boxing. Then when I started competing is when I started to realise that, hang on a minute, I um, I could do something with this boxing game
3: yeah you felt like you was going to take a career from it that's what that's the that's what i meant by the question where did you yeah. go i know that i'm going to be a boxer because i mean you got unbelievable talent and you do, and you had that from a young age you was winning titles from a
13: young age yeah i much appreciate that yeah like I said at the young age i was winning national titles and that's kind of when everyone as a young kid i didn't realize how good i was really um and to be honest i still people still say to me now like, oh, you're, you're you're exceptional talent but I think it's just more being humble i don't know but you just don't really realize it and then when i started winning national titles back to back i won seven or eight national titles and then i just um yeah decided to turn pro and then try and do it in the pro ranks now is there boxing in the family uh yeah my dad and my uncle was an old box but nothing at a higher level my brother boxed; he was a good boxer but he no one really kind of carried it on and took it to the to the next stage
2: and you spar with Carl Frampton already, people like that, people, the Walsh brothers?
13: Yeah, I was sparring him at, the, at such a young age. I was sparring Carl Frampton at the age of 15. Um, same with the Walsh brothers, I was sparring him at a very young age as well. And like now Ricky Burns, um, Joe Cordino, M- Martin Ward, they're like kind of my um, regular sparring partners. Luke Campbell as well, I've done a few rounds with Luke so yeah we're keeping active
2: but you're going to be super featherweight for a while
13: yeah, yeah when to start super featherweight i'm grinding into it now like i said i'm 24 years old i'm starting to build at that weight I've come a long way since 12 months ago when i won the wbo european of obviously leon woodstock in that 12 months i've been very active box of um three british prospects and uh yeah starting to show my maturity now starting to show my strength obviously last night was a great indication of that you're going to stay with us for another
2: 15, 20 minutes, aren't you? Archie Sharps here. We want the questions from you for him. He's a young pro. He's a brilliant prospect. We want your questions for him. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sports.
1: Bob and weave your way through three hours of knockout radio. Fight Night on Talk Sport, the home of boxing.
2: You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Gareth and Ava Spencer-Oliver, my mucker and mate. In the studio with me, and we 've got a tough looking fella here he, he tell you what he 's built like a butcher 's dog um, he, but he is he looks as fit as a fiddle. I reckon he could club all night, have four or five fights in a prize fighter tournament, and just kind of skip home in the
3: morning he You really do he does look so
2: fit doesn 't he he
3: does you know and do you know what you know 's hard about that' is because you're sort of in the gym all the time. We go to the gym, you get it, and you think, yeah, I'm not looking bad. And then, And then you get Artie Sharp walks into the yeah, studio. Yeah. And it sort of takes, it takes everything. It, it depresses you.
2: I, I had a photo taken with me, and uh, I, I had to lose a bit of weight recently, and uh, I had a photo taken with me the other day, and I put gym gear on, and BXR gym with Anthony <laughs> and Joshua. <laughs> and people were going, look, Billy Bunter's grown hair. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, Andy Ruiz has grown hair. And they were pointing out me, unfortunately. I,
3: I've just got a really bad vision in my head there with you with your gym gear on oh t- <laughs> how you, how
13: you steady on what color
2: all black oh nice oh, yeah nice. all black yeah all yeah. black um, look, as now just with shorts on basically look i want to talk about um we, we talked about the the aspirations that you've got in the break and, and i want to air them because you you have got everything it takes to be a big star um not least the the ability um and, you know, I I, I I gauged you as 22, but you're 24. But you're also a dad to two children, aren't you? Yes. And, you know, and you want life to move on. And, and you are ambitious enough. You're ranked number seven with the WBO right now at Superfeather. Jamel Herring's the champion. Yeah. And you want him, don't you?
13: Yeah, of course. Uh, Jamel Herring has obviously done interviews um, speaking my name, hence the reason why I want to pursue that fight so much, because... He's the WBO world champion and he's mentioning my name, which I think is a great, great position to be in. So why not pursue pursue that fight if it's there? Um, he was ranked 12th before he won the WBO, and I was ranked 10th, so he was uh, two rankings b- below me. He's gone on, he's took his uh, he's took his opportunity, and he's won it. Yeah, actually, I mean, listen, look. You you've been boxing since you was a kid.
3: Since you was seven mm. years of age, you've won everything you could win as an amateur. You've had sixteen pro fights. You know the training 17, side. 17, nine knockouts.
2: One of Garrity last night. Remember yeah, okay. that, <laughs> that was the sweetest
3: one that will probably oh, yeah, ever be. No, me. no, <laughs> no <laughs> that, that's
2: the fight maybe that has propelled this Absolutely. moment. Absolutely, you know, but, it, but, is, yeah. it does go on things that that went viral last night, didn't it? Yeah, as well, you it know? certainly
3: did, and uh, it, that made me jump out my seat. I was just like, <laughs> wow, it come out of nowhere, but. What I'm saying is, you're 24 years of age, you're ready. You know, you've got the experience, you've got the rounds under your the fights under your belt, you've proved there that you're a mature fighter, that you can come through a mini crisis because that's what it was. It wasn't yeah, like you course. had you hurt or anything, but you had a clash of heads, you picked up a cut. Mm. That that can make fighters lose their head, that really can, but you kept it nice and cool, you just edged closer and you got the job done and you've done it in emphatic in style. To me, that tells me that you're ready. And I think that when you get an opportunity like that and you say jamal herring and you know you know about him you know where he was you know where he was ranked etc etc you gotta take them shots so if
13: you can get that opportunity i think you gotta go for it well exactly that me and my trainer looked um in the wbo world ranking about two, eight months ago and we were talking about fighters and Jamel herring lamont roach jr were one of them uh two of them fighters that we were speaking about um, well, before he was champion, you're talking he, about fighting before him. he was even champion, yeah. Before he was even champion, and then a friend of mine who does a box hard podcast, he was chatting away to his mates with Jamel Herring, and then them two was talking, and Jamel Herring did say, "Listen, if I if I do go and win the WBO, then giving Archie Sharp the opportunity would be uh, would be something that I definitely would do." So I've just kind of jumped straight on that on the back of that with MTK and Frank, and said, "Look, I want to take the shot." Yeah, hundred percent.
2: Well, I mean, look um as you say um one of the big motivating factors is to provide for your family of
13: course yeah you know? two children and a fiance and do you know what i mean i want i'm in the gym it's not like I I, I I box and i go and party and drink i've been in the gym i've dedicated myself to this sport especially since i've been pro i box i'm back in the gym i box i'm back in the gym so i'm constantly and i'm sparring with the best ricky burns three times world champion so um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, we talked about this uh, just just earlier on, just ten minutes ago on the show. You know,
3: when Gavin Reese come in with Cody Davis, etc., and we talked about the work ethic that they've got down in Wales and what they do, and, and you only get out what you put in in boxing. And, and and I think that's been proven down in Wales. We're talking about Joe Calzaghi, we're talking about Gavin Reese as well, and all the yeah, all course. the successful fighters been down there. Enzo McAnally we know they're all workhorses. They live, eat, sleep
13: boxing, and you're one of those, is not you? Yeah, exactly. I think you have to look. Ricky Ann was a great fighter. Was a Great, great fighter, and then when he stepped up with the, the likes of um, Floyd Mayer and Manny Pacquiao, just go to show the levels because obviously Ricky was known to blowing up um, and coming back down, which, and like I say, he was an exceptional fighter. And when he did step up to the likes of Mayweather, who were in the gym twenty four seven and dedicate their life to this with no alcohol and no party life, they've gone and it just goes to show. Do you know what I mean? Well, he so, was also
2: going. Uh, uh, I, I think his best weight was one forty. Yes, and he exactly. did fight after fight Mayweather at 140. It was a money fight. I mean, yeah, I went on that whole kind of run with him to all those fights in America from kind of Colazzo onwards. Really, you know, and uh, you know those those great seven or eight trips through America the following he took. And I think they were... I think it was amazing that he managed to to go there with, I think, 84, 84 fights between yeah, him yeah, and Mayweather yeah, unbeaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, have the Pacquiao fight because it was the the right fight for him. They were money fights for him at that stage, of I course, think. Of course, of course. His best I... fight was Kostya beyond any mm, shadow of a exactly. doubt. That was the moment, you know, that but was his Everest. I,
3: I think also, to be it fair knocks. to Ricky Hatton, you know the the career that he had and the work that he put in, he deserved the money from. Absolutely,
2: but
13: yeah, hundred percent yeah, deserved it. Exact, I'm not listen. I, I think he's he's one of my greatest fighters, hundred percent. What I'm saying is, obviously, when he did blow up, it does take people can say that he, probably not five years off his career, maybe. I but don't if know. But he hadn't
2: had that that lifestyle, you know that down the pub playing darts it kind of that was part of his but mystique RG's, as well wasn't it yeah no, yeah I, definitely right. listen Ricky says today I will not let my guys live how I lived otherwise I'd kick them out of the gym yeah, yeah you know, there's enough, no question yeah. about that you're right but there, there was something about that like you say, I know you're not knocking him he's a British boxing legend yeah a British sporting 100%. legend but, but like you're saying you are putting it in and you don't want to waste opportunities you don't want to waste time exactly you know you make 130
13: Pounds easily, don't you? You know. Well, the thing is, I, I want to be down as as one of the greatest ever's in 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 the boxing. I, I, like I said, it... I'd like to see you fight Oscar Valdez, who's also ranked number
2: one with the WBO. Get that title off Herring, yeah. And then let's see you fight Oscar Valdez because Frampton never fought him over Quig. I went to the Quig fight, Scott Quig, with Oscar Valdez in uh, in a rainy tennis center in in Los Angeles. It was a tremendous fight, and I don't know whether you like his style as well for yours.
13: Yeah, well, the thing is, like, even with Scott Creed there's another fight out there that I know is ranked yeah. number one in in the super featherweight division, which oh, it shocks me a little bit. I'm not too sure how many times he's boxed a super featherweight, but he's number one anyway. But there's there's a lot of great fights out there. I want to test myself, and to do so, I need to box the best fighters in in, in the world, and that's what I believe in. You got to be the best, you have to beat the best. I have done it as an amateur, and I like to do it as a as a pro because I, I, I'm confident in my ability and. I do my mind coach and I believe in, in, in my ability. What
2: happened to you for the for the listeners in terms of Olympics and um, that kind of route, Commonwealth Games, Olympics, all of that?
13: Well, do you know what it was? I got to that age, just 19, 18, 19, 20 and I fell short a little bit. I was not living a life. I was suffering a bit of depression. Um, so you've been there already and come back. That's very interesting. Well, I was yeah. winning everything on back to back and then I, I got beaten by a fighter where I should have never lost to... Um, and then it just knocked me sick, and then I just kind of lost the, lost the way to going, um to being in the gym like I said i suffered a um, a small bit of depression, People wonder how oh, can someone so young suffer how did depression you get out but, of it, Archie what did you do to get out of it? Well, I was fortunate to come across Linda Keane, who's my mind coach, and since then i 've been working with her ever since then and and that 's why we do uh, touch on mental aware, uh, mental health awareness as well to try and uh, help with these young young fighters and just everyone in general really who's suffering
2: with depression. What can you pass on that you learnt with Linda um, or maybe are still learning with Linda the, 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 the kind of wisdom that got you out of that state of mind?
13: Just kind of learning how, how, how the mind works and um, like I'm learning every day, I'm not I'm not an expert, I've been doing it for five years now and I'm still learning everything um, every single day but Linda, who's a, she is on social media so if anyone out there is listening and they do find themselves in a bit of a better hold and please look her up and and maybe drop her a message or even drop myself a message and then i can do I'll, I'll reply and do whatever i can to help because that's a big thing that i want to touch on because like i say i was in that position and if i didn't find linda who knows i might not be where i am today because of of that um situation i was in back then and does she attend your fights was she there last night uh, she wasn't there last night no but she was on the phone all the time because like i say she does my programs um she does Leading up to my fight, she does my programs. So she's with me all the time, talking, talking, um, and yeah. She, to be fair, last night wasn't. It, I was kind of left on my own now because I get to a certain point, and it's then for me to work with my trainers and and so on for the fight. So it's, this is such a brilliant topic, and I I, I so
2: often find myself, you know, um, as an older man, you know, with grandchildren now, where you you see, you know fighters i know who i followed are now becoming grandparents and you see that for so many people in the fight industry that being fit training fighting is almost about therapy at times you know Mm. it's it it, it is genuine therapy for you even though it's inherently dangerous some of it yeah it's genuine therapy for your mind and your soul
13: and also it's such um also i know a lot of fighters out there who are great fighters but then when they couldn't bring it to the ring because of their mental side of things like they, they they're they just couldn't do it mentally, and it and it folded a lot of great fighters out there. Um, is that nerves? Is it wondering yeah.
2: why you're doing it at times? Is it, you know, what do you focus on when you're when you're in that state? What are the kind of what are the green lights that you want to see and the red lights you don't want to see?
13: Well, because the thing is, you, when you're about to go in the ring with someone who's about to not, try and knock your head off, then you uh, you just need to kind of remember what you're here for and and, and the end result. But if you're starting to thinking about yourself getting beat and that, then you end up going to get beat it's interesting I was
3: speaking to Johnny Nelson about this now Johnny Nelson who turned out to be an undefeated world champion for 10 years retired uh, still world champion but he lost three of his first seven or four mm. of his first seven as a pro and Johnny said that they worked Brendan Ingle was great on the mindset of people and, and that's what they worked on because you know boxing is 80% mental 20% physical we all do the same thing in the gym day in day out but it's the mental side of it that gets you through whether you can bark on the gumshield. I don't Johnny's thing was that he said that he used to go in the ring thinking he was scared he said he was so nervous so scared but actually he wasn't he was nervous not scared and it, and he couldn't tell the difference between the yeah. two
13: and once he worked that out he was on his way well Linda like I said um, Linda my mind coach she basically learned what she learnt from the uh, Steve Collins and Eubank fight so Tony Quinn who done the uh, mind coaching for Steve Collins for that fight that's who she's been who she's learnt off and done her courses with Archie, thank you so
2: much for coming in tonight. It's brilliant to meet you properly. I love the double earrings, by the way. Thank you very big much. Fan, big fan of uh, fashion, as you can see. <laughs> Spencer isn't. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's only the dig back at you in, uh, having a go at me and my gym gear. I've <laughs>
3: yeah. still got that vision in my head. I'm yeah, trying there to get you it go.
2: out. Yeah. Well, anyway, listen, it's great to have you in. We wish you all the best and please come in any time.
13: Oh, God bless. Thank you for having me on. I much appreciate it. A great Pleasure. performance last night as well. It was oh, absolutely
2: you. brilliant. It's viral. Make sure you look at the clips online it's unreal that left hook <laughs> i am not going to shake your hand i'm just going to give you a little hug and squeeze your arms in so you can't throw anything <laughs> thank you very much mate God it's, bless. Nine to talk sport. it's the
1: show that jabs you between the ears fight night on talk sport the home of boxing
2: listening to fight night here on talk sport i'm gareth a. davis uh, my co-host tonight is spencer oliver great to have you here spence some breaking news by the way um a fight has been announced yes it's Deontay wilder that second fight luis with luis ortiz for the wbc heavyweight title will be on november the 23rd at the mgm grand las vegas so maybe we are building up to the big one if Wilder can come through that fight. He will face Tyson Fury uh, in the first third or maybe even quarter of next year. I'm so pleased that's finally be an- been announced. Of course, we've been talking about November the 23rd tonight because that's the night Nigel Benn is fighting Sakio O'Beepe and the night that John Ryder is challenging Callum Smith for the WBA super middleweight title. That is going to be one hell of a busy weekend for fight sports. Now, um... Earlier this week, uh, Devon Haney, a brilliant lightweight star from the United States, now promoted uh, by Eddie Hearn, was in the UK doing the media rounds. Um, and and Devon and Eddie uh, joined Alan Brazil uh, and Ray Parler at Talksport HQ earlier in the week. Um, there's a great chat here. Have a listen. Promoter Eddie Hearn and the interim lightweight champion, interim WBC lightweight champion Devon Haney, joined Brazil. Um, as as the American prepares to fight on the undercard of KSI versus Logan Paul, yes, those YouTubers in LA next month, he began by telling Alan and Ray Parler of his excitement in coming to the UK.
12: I brought my umbrella with me. Uh, I'm happy to be here. the we- The weather is, you know, uh, it's something that I'm used to because I was I was born in San Francisco, yes. so so it rains a lot there. So it's something I'm used to.
14: So, Devin, um, we've had... Eddie's right. We've had brilliant... Well, is this your first visit to London?
12: No, this is my second time. Okay. I came uh, in 2012, around the time of the Olympics. I came to watch the Olympics. So, I want to say I was like 13 or something like yeah. that. Mm. So, but now that I'm growing, it's much different.
14: Now, Eddie, tell us about this young man. Well, he, 20. he's a
15: phenomenon. I mean, you know, you talk about the likes of Floyd Mayweather and I think that's always tough boots to to fill. But yeah. I believe this man is... The, the future of boxing, I think he is the next Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. Only 20 years of age, 24-0, and 0, WBC number one, really WBC world champion because mm. he's now mandatory to Lomachenko, who's got his own mm. uh, plans, but this man has got so much appetite, he wants yeah. Lomachenko, no yes. one else. I mean, we saw him against Campbell here recently, and we were just talking about the Luke Campbell fight. Is another mm. great fight for Devin Haney, but he wants to fight them all. You know, his dad here, here Bill, took him to Mexico to start his career at 16 First could, four you, fights Yeah Because yeah. he wasn't um, Was it four fights?
12: No I, I actually had 12 fights in oh, Mexico yeah, fights But it was like on and off I would fight in the US And then I would go back to Mexico Fighting fight in the US and then...
15: well, There's no better ground than at 16 Oof. You know To be slung over mm. the border And yeah. going just basically yeah. I've yeah. done shows yeah. in Mexico I mean the change rooms aren't the best yeah. are yeah. <laughs> you know, so, But that's that's where you, you learn your craft That's yeah. where you learn your
14: trade Going back to Lomachenko then And, and Luke You know By, by the cards he'd, he You know he'd won it mm. But um, Luke Luke gave him a few problems, didn't he? did. I mean, I think everybody respects
15: Luke's qualities and, and abilities. He won Olympic gold. So, you know, in terms of boxing credibility, he's right up there. And I thought he gave him a great fight. I mean, I, I gave him three rounds, three or four rounds, which anything, any round against Lomachenko yes. is good. Devin believes it would be a different fight for him against Lomachenko. But mm-hmm. also, I, I believe that Devin's going to become that lightweight world champion. And, and Luke Campbell's already expressed an interest in, to fight him yeah. in 2020, and that's mm. a big fight. He'd love to fight. You know, these the American guys that come over, they can't believe mm. the interest in boxing. Mm. You know, they see the oh, atmosphere. It's and he's like, I mean, when we did Joshua yeah. Rees at Madison Square Garden, that was full up with Brits. And everyone's yeah. kind of sort of looking yeah. around, Sweet Caroline. Yeah. You know, and they, they don't have that there. Well, so Vegas, Ricky yeah, Hart. Exactly. Vegas, but Lomachenko yeah. wanted yeah. to fight in the UK, mm. and and Devin's the same. You know, he wants to fight here, and uh, he's going to be holding that world title for a long time. But so won't, it won't him.
14: be York Cole.
15: It definitely won't be your call, <laughs> but he boxed at your call, you know. I mean, his last fight was at Madison Square Garden, so it's been, been a little where bit would now. where would you look at? I think the O2 is, O2 is, is a natural great. home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Manchester Arena is a great place yeah. as well. Yeah. Wembley is something in time, yeah, for Devin Haney. But yeah. I think uh, it's so important now. I think sometimes you sort of lose focus that there's, there's a whole world out there other than America, mm. you know, and, and the UK. It's like the Saudi fight with Joshua, yeah. Mm. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like. Do you realise that if the Middle East start investing in the sport of boxing,
12: yeah, you may not easy, see yeah. any
15: boxing in the UK? <laughs> you know? And at the end of the day, this sport yeah. is, is difficult, it's dangerous, and these guys have got to earn as much money as they can because it's not like going and having a game of golf. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're putting your health online. Of you're course, going you're in, right. you're having a fight in a gladiatorial environment in front of mm. 20, 30, 50, 80,000 yeah. people who have been well refreshed with alcohol and they yeah. want to see you fight. And it's yeah. a
14: unique sport. So, Devin, Lomachenko, you take on tomorrow, but this man are you are going to have to have a couple of more fights first or are, well, are, you, are, want you, are you ready
12: yeah, well, for him uh, I feel like I'm ready for the fight um, I'm a WBC mandatory I'm his mandatory as of now so the fight can happen now it's not like the fight is far out or, or anything like that the fight can happen tomorrow you know if if he was up for it right
14: uh, have you had any Contact, yeah.
15: No, they want to, basically, he's got he's got one belt to get, Lomachenko, yes. before he's the undisputed champion, which means he's got all the belts. So, mm. we understand the focus mm. on that, but what we're saying is, we're now mandatory, so hurry up, yeah. either fight him or give Devin the belt, because yeah. I believe he's going to go and become a multi-weight world champion. I mean, he's lightweight at the moment, he'll move to 140 pounds, light welterweight, he'll definitely make welterweight, you talk about light middleweight at some point, I mean, he's 20. I mean, he probably nice. boxed for another 10 years. Yeah. So, like, he's going to go right through the weight classes. And I think to go down in history, and to create a legacy, you want to be a multi-weight world champion. Yeah. So where, we must. Where, win where that.
14: have you been this morning? Bond Street, Tiffany's. Oh, no. oh, you know. You, 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 you <laughs> like, I love the sparklers. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah, really. yeah, yeah,
12: yeah, yeah, yeah. So was that a jeweler?
15: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 you got Tiffany in America, surely in New York. Uh, probably not know
12: know you your thing. Devin. <laughs> yeah. said on, on Twitter. I think Tiffany's for like the girls. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> no, no,
14: no. It's a beautiful. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Don't take my hackney with all that gear off. On Twitter,
16: Monday night, I leave to London in. Three hours. I haven't packed one thing. <laughs> so, what did you bring with you? <laughs> um, Eddie hey, left to take you shopping.
12: Uh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, th- that's that's pretty much the plan. Um, I didn't. I was I was waiting to the last minute um, to pack, and I didn't really get a much get a chance to pack much. But um,
10: plenty of shops in London.
12: I packed a um, a lot of um, a lot of blue faces with me. I yeah. got a lot of hundreds with me, and I'm ready to spend. It. <laughs> 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 so, David, who was your
7: idol growing up? Who was your one you looked up? Was, oh, what um,
12: I, well, coming up when I first got into boxing, I used to watch a lot of Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah, because oh. he he was it's somebody. He he was my like dad's idol. He was somebody who mm-hmm. he that was his era. So I watched a lot of Sugar Ray, and then as I was coming up, I started to watch Floyd a lot. And, yeah. Um And Floyd was I live come growing up in Vegas. I lived like you know uh, around Floyd. He was like someone I could talk to. I could touch. You know. So yeah. it was like being around. Michael Jordan and playing basketball, you know. So he he was a role model to me as well.
14: Mm. Do you know what? When you talk about Sugar Ray, I'm so pleased. <coughs> what an era that was. What mm. about mm. you know Tommy Hearns, oh. uh, Duran, people like that, all mm. around Hagler. Oh. You know what an era of boxing that was. Unbelievable.
15: And, and actually, that's what we what we want. You know, we want the best fighting, the best.
5: Mm. Those
15: eras come around. Even when you look at the old heavyweight eras, now not not too no. far. Uh, in the past, you know, yeah. with Tyson, with Riddick Bowe, with Holyfield, you know, all all those guys. Well, ben, Kobe, f- ben Ubank, yeah, Ben Eubank. Yeah, Ben Eubank. Uban. I mean, in the middle, weight's Ben Eubank, Collins, was a and all Yeah, great fighters. Great, you know, great fighters. L- L- very very was tough really to beat. And, you know, when he came back, particularly from the Rahman knockout, mm. you know, to come back, and he was a. Tony, Tony, about coming
14: back, how's yeah. AJ? How He's is you, good? Are you nervous about this? Yeah,
15: very nervous. Very nervous. I am always nervous when AJ fights because. He's inexperienced as a professional, so he's had twenty-three fights. Devin's had more fights than Anthony Joshua, mm. right? And he's
12: twenty. No, so, I, I had twenty-three fights. Joshua has twenty-three fights. So. Oh, right, mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I prefer Eddie. twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds better. I'm a promoter. Twenty-four November. 7, yeah. <laughs>
15: I'll, I'll always exaggerate. I'm just, I'm just taking into account your
2: next win in November. Leave me alone. Fascinating interview there, uh, Eddie Hearn. Ever the. I, I love his new uh, or the the, the new. Uh, Insta- oh, the, the Twitter account of uh, Eddie Hearn's uh, fluffing moments, as I can call them, but it's gone viral, hasn't it? He's a great promoter, Eddie Hearn, I've got to say that, and I, I do enjoy working with him whenever
3: I am working with him. Devin Haney, um, multi-weight world champion Spence listen he's only 20 years of age and he's super talented and um, you know I, I, I believe that he's got the potential to do that I think that Eddie's, that Eddie's talking right there he's lightweight now I, I can see him moving through the weights he's a big lightweight as well like a super lightweight um, well to wait. Yeah, I can see it. I really can. The, the, listen, this kid really can fight. He's multi talented. You know, they're talking about him. You know, he's not mandatory for, for Lomachenko's titles. Lomachenko's the best pound for pound fighter in the world. We saw him over here against Luke Campbell. So that's a bold statement. that He's saying he's ready. You know, so this, you know, that tells you where the kid's at. I think it's a great division, really. I mean, I
2: hope he stays at lightweight for a while because, you know, I think Tiafimo Lopez. Vasyl Lomachenko, obviously the number one in the division. Um, Richard Comey. Um, Devin Haney matches up brilliantly against all of those. I think the the, the juices flow when I just think about Vasyl Lomachenko and Devin Haney. He's still a bit young to fight him. But um, when you're with him physically, you've been with him and spoken to him at all. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and he, he's he's so composed. I love the fact that as a 19-year-old, he applied for a promoter's license. He's and, so switched on. Uh, yeah, Gareth very, Hissari. very, very switched on. Exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm incredibly switched on. He's got a really mature head on his shoulders for for a kid so young, and he is multi-talented. Like I say, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the mix because I think he'll hold his own. We've got
2: interviews coming up with Kel Brook. Is that fight with Amir Khan finally going to happen? And of course, Billy Joe Saunders, the mini Gypsy King, as I love to call him, because the real big Gypsy King is that six foot nine guy with two gashes that have been sewn up over his right eye, Tyson Fury. We'll be back, my Spencer and I, after this. On DAP
1: Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport
2: you're listening to fight nine talk sports spencer oliver's here in the studio with me before we go to the interview with cal brooke i just want to ask your opinion I, I announced it um i think you might have gone out for a comfort break um <laughs> as they call it an old man's comfort break um what do you make of the fact that Deontay, well, it's been announced tonight that Deontay Wilder will face Luis Ortiz uh, uh, in the defence of the WBC heavyweight title in Las Vegas on November the 23rd?
3: That's a dangerous fight. Ortiz, we know, is a dangerous fighter. And he, and, and Deontay Wilder had all sorts of problems with him and, and was on, you know, he was on the verge of getting beat by you know he'd been on the floor. He was in desperate trouble. So it's a dangerous fight for him to take. I mean, the heavyweight division at the moment has been sort of ripped to pieces, isn't it? We We've back... said it
2: all along though yeah. that if they don't, if the best don't fight the best, things get in this division more than any other. Sure, there's so much more that can go wrong with just a, with just a jab
5: well, in
3: look, the wrong
2: place or the we, right place.
3: We look what's happened. Anthony Joshua's gone and got beat by Andy Ruiz Jr. Tyson Fury's uh, Fury's picked up a horrendous gash. Of over his eye, which is gonna take some time to heal. Um Deontay Wilder's taking his fight of all and Now I think this is gonna be a good thing for actually for Tyson Fury, because had he not taken that fight and Fury went back into the rematch in February, let me tell you now that cut, although it would have healed by February, would still be very, very weak. And Deontay Wilder, with a guy with explosive power that he's got and the way that he throws that right hand um and and those hooks, that would have been a problem for that, for um, Tyson Fury. I haven't had a chance to ask you yet. I mean, I gave my views
2: last week uh, with Adam when we were doing the show with Adam Catterall um, that, yes, there were reasons why Tyson Fury didn't look brilliant, but he had to smother the space between himself and Otto Wallin, who was really up for it. But he didn't look right to me, ultimately, last week. I think he's probably training too hard. For, for you know, for once, I've got to agree with some of the comments, and not against Ben Davison, because I'm a huge advocate and fan of his. Um, I think he does great things for Tyson Fury view in the trust levels between the two men as you know if you've got the ultimate trust of your trainer and the and the boxer it's a great relationship in the right way and you know Ben isn't a yes man and he does tell Tyson what he he needs from him he knows how to press his buttons Are you concerned that Tyson's getting too light and training too much?
3: He definitely looks light. I'm not concerned that he's training too much and getting too light. I'll tell you what happened there with Tyson Fury against Otto Wallin. That basically a fighter raises his game to the opponent that he's boxing. He went in there with Otto Wallin. He's clearly taking him too lightly. He thought he'd get a few rounds under his belt. A little bit of showboating in the first couple of rounds and it backfired on him. Backfired on him big time. He got caught with a left hook that opened up a horrendous gash and 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 then he and then that give Wallin that that superior strength to push on and think, hold on a minute, I can actually win this and if I win this, this yeah. is life yeah, changing. Was, and and so exactly. then then Fury then's got that in the back of his mind that he's always being that bad. So the fight the the whole um dynamic of the fight changed. Um so I think it was just a case of, you know, you box to, to to the opponent, to the to the ability of the opponent. Tyson Fury clearly took him lightly and it backfired on him. Um, had he been in with Deontay Wilder on that night, I don't think he would have performed as badly as he did. And, and, and listen, that's taking nothing away from Otto Walling either. He was an unknown quantity. He was an unbeaten fighter, but he was an unknown quantity. And what he proved is that he can mix it with the big boys. I think that we're going to hear more of his name and I think he'll only learn from that. And he could be in the mix now. Well, thanks, Fenn. From heavyweights
2: to welterweights, um, Adam Catterall caught up earlier this week with Cal Brook to find out what the latest is with him. And if he's eyeing, and if he really is eyeing a return, that is, on the undercard of Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua on December the 7th, which is in Saudi Arabia.
6: Right, Mr. Brook, how's things? Are we well? well
9: very well, very well.
6: <laughs> so, so you, well, listen. We've seen you on TV this week, you know, and uh, obviously doing your interviews and what have you. Talking about what's next for you. Um, first of all, just clear up your uh, promotional situation because I'm led to believe that you're a free agent. You can dance to your own tunes now, which kind of makes you attractive for quite a lot of fights, doesn't it?
9: Yeah, you know, I am a free agent. I've been free agent for a while, but you know, we're, the thing is, it's we're, we're in talks. We, you know, we've you know, we're overfights. We're trying to get over fives The one. We want the biggest names in the game. You know, uh, I think I've banged on the gym about that. Uh, I'm an elite fighter. And I just wanted, I want the big fights. So that's We're making ourselves relevant. We're uh, getting ourselves back in the gym training hard. And we're trying to push for these fights now.
6: Wait, when you say the big fights, obviously I saw you at uh, the Crawford Calm fight. Uh, and you've linked yourself to both of those guys. Mainly, I know that obviously is always going to be there at this moment, but... Crawford's one of those names that you were chatting about and he's obviously in a situation where he's a mandatory challenger. Is that, a, is that a name that you're are you talking to top rank? Are you talking to Bob about trying to make that fight? Yeah,
9: we've been, we've been talking to them. mean we want to want to make the Crawford fight. I think it's like that. We want to make the Crawford fight. Porter and uh, Spence are fighting this week. Mm. And and we know our history together. I beat Porter and I will beat in arrow until the iron. And everything went, and, and there the fights I'd, I'd love I'd love to have again.
6: Well, going, um, I was going to ask you about that. Obviously, that's happening in the early hours of Sunday morning. How do you think that goes with you having obviously experience with both of these guys?
9: You know, I think that um, Spence. I think Spence is uh, going to win that fight. It's not going to be easy for him. He, you know, he'll have to work hard to get the win. But I believe that he will get the win um, on points, or could even could he even be a late stoppage. And then,
6: what avenue do you think they will take off the back of that? The winner of that then is a is a unified champion. There's talks of Manny Pacquiao. You know, is is that a route that you think they'll take, or is? Or do you hope I that maybe it, it's if you? That,
9: if that you know? I'd like it to be if if I were them, I'd be going in for probably Crawford. You know, because everyone's saying that he's the pound for pound best, so I think the winner would would want to fight fight Crawford. Um, which I which I think it'll be Errol. so that's what I'd do if I, if I were them. But i on, on, on my side, I, You know I've you've seen you've seen me uh, since since you know since hit the fight with me. You know, was, um, nobody's pushed him like I did, and and we know we know what happened in that fight. Like, I just want to show show everyone that I'm I belong there, and there's there's so many there's so many so much left of me at that level with the big fights.
6: The names that we're mentioning, these are all welterweights. Obviously, you've been competing at catchweights and 154. Can we make 157? one is Sorry, 147. Is 147 legit for you?
9: Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at 147. Um, I'm, I'm looking at fighting at the end of the year. I've been training now. For, I've been training for like three or four weeks and the weight's coming down and everything else. So, you know, we could have had quite a bit of time off, you know, since the last fight, we're pushing to get these big fights and nothing ever developed. So, you know, I've just been spending time with family and uh, having a bit of time off, but I've got a bit between the teeth now and uh, the mojo's back and I'm, I'm ready to, to jump back in. So, there's
6: rumours, obviously, that you might be on that AJ Ruiz undercard in in Saudi. Is, is that a legit target for you, that early December date?
9: you know that's when that's roughly when i'm gonna be be ready to peek into to fight you know but nothing nothing in concrete you know end of november december time it doesn't have to be that bill you know that's just when i will be ready to you know to get back in. You know, i'll be looking to to be fighting about then
6: in in level of opponent for the end of december are we talking just something to blow the rust off or are we talking something to really push you
9: I think it'll it'll still be a good fight, but you know, not seeing like the names I've just mentioned, I think it'll still be a good good fight. But you know, early next year, that they're the the names I've mentioned that they're the names what I'll be I'll be wanting.
6: Talk to me about the other fella then. You know, we've spoken many many times about uh, yeah. Amir Khan. Obviously, he's been out in the Middle East himself, having a little bit of a with his mate. Um, yes. And I've, I've noticed that he's actually brought your name up again and that he's speaking to Eddie about the possibility of maybe making that fight. Where are we at with it, mate? Uh, and, and do you think that the fans will ever get to see it?
9: You know, I think that the, I think we're both ready now. I think that he actually wants to fight now. You know, um, I've, I've always wanted to fight. I think he's he's at the stage now where he's, there's no other fight for him left, left to fight. You know, a big money fight, a big exciting fight. So I think that... You know he wants to actually make this fight happen uh we are in talks um that's all i can really say at, at this moment you know we're still in talks now but i 100 percent want to get this fight across the line for the fans and for myself i want to you know it's been mentioned so long so i want to make this happen and uh this is probably the best we've ever we've ever talked now so Fingers crossed we can we can make it happen.
6: I was gonna ask you that. So you've been in conversations with him on many, many occasions before. It's different you get you're getting a different vibe this time.
9: I'm getting a bit I'm getting a different vibe. I'm getting a vibe where, you know, both parties wanna make this happen extremely now, so let's do that.
6: Why if I if I may ask, why do you want this one so bad? Because it like you say, it's been going on for such a long period of time
9: because it's been going on so long and it's, you know, it's me and him, one and two, you know, and, you know, for over, for over 10 years, it's been talked about, wherever, I'm I'm in London now, and when I'm walking streets in London, everyone says, when you're you're fighting Khan, it's all I ever hear. So, I find I want to put together, get in there with him, and, and it's everyone, that we, uh, we're going to have a good good fight.
6: Do you think, what are the things that will do you, that you think will hold it up? Will it be venue? Will it be money? Will it be splits? Will it be things like that?
9: What, there are many things. There are many things, but you know, we've, there's many things being talked about. Many things can get ironed out, and uh, it can be done. You know, it can it definitely can be done? So where is a talk. We are talking, and things can be ironed out, and we can make this fight happen.
6: And do you think it will be the one after December? So you have your fight in December, and then maybe the start of next year, we can we can be looking.
9: If, it, if, if, I had it, if I had it my word, I'd have this fight in December, then then it would be Khan, yeah. for like March, April time, February, March, April.
2: Fascinating stuff, um, and it's great to see Kel
3: back in really good shape, Spencer. Is that going to happen, Kel Brook and Amicon for you? I really hope it does happen. I mean, it's a fight that's been, as Kel said there, has been talked about for the last 10 years now. I think that... Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, I mean is it and,
2: really and, 10 years? Yeah, and and, yeah. and,
3: and you know what? It would. It was a mouth fight, and it still is, because I'll tell you why it still is. I'll tell you why it still is, Gareth, because they're both running parallel. They're both past their best. They're both at the, 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 the end of the cruise. They should make the fight happen, because... Actually, they're both at the stage of their careers where they're still on a similar sort of playing field that, actually, who wins? Like, we talked about it ten years ago. Who, who wins that fight? Do you go for Khan's speed? Do you go for Kell's power? And we're still there now. There's no one... None of them are really But it's not fizzing and-
2: through the country anymore. Like, it's a fight that must happen. It's more of a trade fight now. It's become one that's got to be sorted out. Like, there's been... So much, no, they were both really big stars, and they both went... The other way, two weight divisions up against Golovkin in Brook's case and against Canelo, Saul Canelo Alvarez in Amir Khan's case. They had massive paydays. That was the moment they should have fought each other. When Eddie Hearn pulled his hair out I'm um, trying to get that fight made, there were egos on both sides. Amir Khan wanted to be the A-side. You, I felt all along that Calbrook wanted it more than Amir Khan. I may be wrong, but I felt that Brook wanted it more than Khan really needed it. If you know what I mean. I
3: I totally agree now. I know that Kelbrook wanted it more than Khan. I see what I think that Khan maybe the fear for Khan was. I know that he was waiting around a long time for Manny Pacquiao. That fight was looming for him. That's the fight that he really wanted. And he wanted the big names in the division. But Kelbrook was a big name in the division. Now I'll tell you the reason why I don't think Amir Khan took that fight. Because I think that it was all about acting legacy with amir khan and i think that he felt that if he lost to another british fighter oh there was bragging rights against him forever forever i completely agree floating around everywhere and i believe that's why the fight never happened now amir khan seems to be coming around to the idea and that's because they're, they're both at that stage of their career they need each other now listen
2: uh it's great stuff i would like to see them fight like you would um coming up after the break we have uh, Billy Joe Saunders, the undefeated middleweight and super middleweight world champion, in conversation with the one and only Spencer Oliver.
1: Knockout Radio for your Saturday night fight night on TalkSport, Sport, the home of boxing.
4: Work it, it, do it, makes us better,
12: faster, stronger.
2: Knocking away here in the studio. I'm Gareth Davis, Spencer is with me. Um, you're listening to Fight Night on Talksport. As always, nine to midnight on a Saturday night, unless we are at the fights themselves, and you get all the action there as well. Um, earlier this week, uh, Billy Joe Saunders had a chat to Spencer. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders will make his American debut on the undercard of the rematch between the YouTube stars KSI and Logan Paul on the 9th of November uh, at sta- uh, the Staples Centre. I never thought I'd be saying that in that order. Um, <laughs> but, you, but you caught up with the WBO super middleweight champion early this week at a public workout, and this is what he had to say.
16: I've said this before. I think that you've got to take it after these two men because not for what they've done in the ring... But for what they've, what sort of life they've created themselves? People put their life on the line, getting in the ring, boxing every time. You know, we get we get horrible, nasty injuries. Well, as you well know. You know, when you go when you go in this sport, it's one of them where no one's guaranteed to come out that ring alive, and still don't get where they've got. So they've done something to remove, maneuver, and jump the queue, and get there and get that big payday and get that big recognition. Where you go, oh, what have they done to do that? But you've got to look at their element of, of their, um, their audience they're bringing. They're bringing a different audience here. They're not boxing fans. They're not boxers. So you can't really give them credit for boxing, but you have to give these men credit for where they're at. And, you know, people say, well, how do you feel about being on the undercard? I think that a fight, Spencer, is who steals the show. I've been in the Lions before, and other people stole the show. Other people's been headlines before, and I've styled the show. It's who puts the best performance on. I feel gets the true recognition of the show.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Listen, I, I helped organize the first fight KSI Logan Paul. and numbers were insane. So you know they're going to capture a new audience. I know there's been a big bit of controversy about these two guys turning professional, but I think it's, it can only be good for boxing, right?
16: Listen, if they bring if they bring like let's say they bring twenty thousand. Viewers, subscribers from from this uh, from this event—that's still hell of a lot. You know, if they bring, if they, if they, if, if you know, room and the Zone and myself even can have two percent of everybody tuning in to know who I am for when I fight in America again, hopefully against Canelo, Golovkin, etc., um, etc. Et then you know that's that's done me good and i'm getting you know and and i'm still getting rewarded i'm defending my title and i'm still getting paid so that's the main thing yeah i mean you mentioned
3: keneno there you mentioned golovkin both guys have got fights coming up um very soon have you got
16: your eye on on one of those potentially listen most definitely i think that myself and my management mtk will chase that fight for years now ever since i've signed really of mtk we've always chased it and you know we've never been on the on the right platform But now, you know, with this new deal, the Zone, Sky Sports, Matchroom, you know, it's got all the ingredients to to make this now. It's got everything there for this to be made, and I think it will get made 2020.
3: Yeah, and we've also got a couple of guys over here, Billy, as well. We've got our own Callum Smith, world champion. That's a massive fight for you in the future. Is that something you'll be looking at soon?
16: Most definitely. Look, Callum Smith's in my contract. I made sure I put a few names down, look, I want XYZ. And uh, we're getting them. He's in there, so that's a potential fight. Um, Eddie was saying he wants to build it, make it bigger, but I'm ready to rock and roll whenever, whenever he's ready. In 2020, whenever who's ever ready, I'm ready.
3: And what about Eubank Jr.? I mean, it's a fight that's been talked about
16: on and off for a while. Is that a fight we could see? Who's that again? <laughs> uh, look, I'll beat him before he's. I'll put him underneath the carpet, but, you know, if, if, if he wants to come out and Eddie wants to give me a warm-up fight for one of these big ones, and I'll take him, yeah. Looking forward to this fight,
3: this event, um, who, do, who do you see this KSI, Logan
16: Paul? Who, who, do you, who do you fancy in that one? Do you know anything about these guys? I've never really seen them. I've never really seen them. I've had um, I've, I've had a social media contact with one. With both, actually, before, um, but I've never seen them fight, so I can't really pick a winner. Who won like it? was a draw, was it? It
3: was a draw last time, but KSI started very slowly. Logan Paul's a much more athletic this way, right? And I think Logan Paul will start a massive favourite, but KSI come on strong in the last one.
16: Do you know what the best thing is about a draw? You can do it again.
3: <laughs> and we've got it, mate, and Billy Joe Storm is on the undercard. Listen, just before you go, I've got a to touch on um, Nigel Benn making the comeback, 55 years of age. What's your take on that?
16: I was a big, big fan of Nigel Benn and still are, uh, you know, looking at him and, you know, I would love to see him go, look, you know what? It's a wind-up. I'm going to leave it. I'm, I'm only kidding. But then you've got people saying they can't wait for it. And I just think it's very, it's very dangerous. And I think that he should stay retired 55. I'm with you, mate. I think that, you know, 55
3: years of age, you know, age waits for no man. And, and he's 55 years of age is old. And there's talk about there's talk of him boxing Sebio um, Beaker as well. That's a tough fight, mate.
16: It's not only that, Spence. Boxing now has moved on since he retired it's moved on nutrition um, you know the the, the training the the health wise everything's moved on the the durability everything's moved on I think it's just that you know put it this way if he was my dad he wouldn't be going out in that ring that's for sure
3: yeah alright I'm going to put you on the spot right now mate I'm going to put you on the spot before we go a prime Billy Joe Saunders versus a prime Nigel
16: Benn who wins and how Nigel Ben's a great, love watching him growing up, so I'm gonna go Nigel Ben. He knocked me out in about 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm not having that. You Listen, I'm a big, big fan of him growing up, I love watching him. Love watching his fights and um, I thought we beat Eubank as well when they didn't give it to him. You know, but um, just just watching them fights growing up as a kid. You know, I couldn't even dream about fighting him, but um, but yeah he's a good man and I, I wish him all the best but I just I hope he don't fight.
3: What are the two prime or three prime fights for Billy Joe Saunders now? I think the big fights for him are the, the fights we've got over here. Obviously, Callum Smith. We want to see that one with Eubank Jr. return. Yeah, that would be another mouth-watering contest. Um, Canelo and Golovkin? And, absolutely. Canelo and Golovkin. There's four fights we've talked about there. What I'm saying is he's in prime position right now to have some massive fights. And, and he really is... He really is a good addition to the super middleweights. Completely agree. You're listening to Fight Night on
2: Talksport. It's myself and Spencer Oliver. We're we'll back after this.
1: Go toe to toe with the biggest names in boxing. Fight Night on Talksport.
2: You're listening to Fight Night and Talk Sport. We're bopping away, myself and Spencer Oliver. We're doing dad dancing in the studio tonight. It's not pretty. Um, Look, there's a massive fight over in America tonight. Um, Two great uh, welterweights uh, going at it. Sean Porter, currently the WBC champion, against Errol Spence, the IBF champion. My colours are nailed firmly to the mast, I think, almost in every department, maybe apart from desire, I think Errol Spence, the the, the Southpaw, the aggressive, counter-punching Southpaw, the guy that beat Brook up um, in Bramall Lane, or it was Bramall Lane, wasn't it, It in Sheffield, um, a couple of years back, um, I think will have all the precision and poise to win this comfortably, say, eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three in the early hours of the morning. And it's on Sky, isn't it? Live on Sky.
3: It certainly is. This is a great fight, Sean. But we know brings it. He's rough. He's tough. He likes to get in there. He's dirty with his head. But um, Errol Spence Jr. is at a different level. He's a slick southpaw who can whack. He's got moves, and I just think that Spence. Actually, people are talking about this being a really close fight and a points fight and everything else. I think Spence is going to get do a job on um, uh, Sean Porter. I really do. I think. Do you Spence, think a stoppage then in I, this fight? I, I, believe, I think it'll go twelve. No, I believe a stoppage, and and we will be We're late this. though. Yeah, presumably. I'm not sure. I think that I think that he may catch him as he comes in. We got to remember Sean Porter is a very rough guy who's very crude and. He it's not a lot of boxing technical uh, ability and, and he likes to rush He's in. He's had his...
2: moments recently, though. He has, but
3: he... he likes to rush in. But we're talking about Errol Spence Jr., who's just slicks up or who likes to work the angles, pick the shots and can whack. And I've just got a feeling that Sean Bolton might just jump onto a shot. And it might be... I, I believe he wins inside the distance anyway. I'm just not convinced by that. I, I, I think that... Um,
2: listen, I really rate Spence. I d- I'm not saying he can't stop Porter, but no one's really been able to do that to him. But if anyone can do it, he can. That's what, that's um, what I'm talking but about. But the big fight to Welterweight for me is still, uh, if they can get Terence Crawford, if they can get the promotional parties together, if they can get Al Heyman, promoters in Al Heyman, or managers in Al Heyman and Bob Arum together, and get Terence Crawford against Errol
3: Spence, for me that is a super fight in America. That's, I think, is one of the best fights in the world right now. I think that those guys are on par with each other. Who wins that fight? I mean, Terence Crawford maybe leans towards it. I don't know really. Actually, this. Like, that's a difficult that's a difficult one to say I really that is a pick and fight and you're right they're two of the they're both they're both probably in the top five in the world right I go.
2: well I go for yeah absolutely I go for Spence in that fight no, I don't think he's technically better than Crawford um, or as versatile but I just think he's the natural welterweight and Crawford's gonna, come up the weight divisions I was going
3: to say you're going for size and, I, and you know I, I may lean towards him for that reason as well but listen that's a mouth contest I hope that happens but I think Sean Porter's style could be made for old Spence and it could I know that he likes to fight dirty and I know that he likes to maul his opponents but Spence is a class act and this could be something special that we see from Spence tonight
2: Talking about mauling opponents we're switching codes now after the break, we're going mixed martial arts I was in Dublin last night uh, where James Gallagher was headlining against Roman Salazar um, it's a Stentorian crowd there Brilliant support for 16 SPG fighters, straight, straight blast gym fighters, that is, trained by John Kavanagh, the gym that produced Conor McGregor. He was there in his white suit, cage side. I was there working for a bit of television and the Telegraph, and it was an amazing night. But there was a lot of controversy involving Michael Venom Page. We're going to discuss that next as we finish off tonight talking mixed martial arts
1: and weave your way through three hours of Knockout Radio. Fight Night on Talk Sports, the home of boxing. Touching me, judging
13: you,
5: sweet Caroline.
2: A good time never seems so, so good. I've got Adam Catchall to cut me off tonight, so I'm going a little bit longer. You're listening to... <laughs> Bop Yes, you're listening to Fight Night on talk Sport with me, Gareth Davis, and Spencer Oliver. We're going to talk mixed martial arts up to midnight now. Um, last night I was in Dublin uh, for Bellator 227. And it doubled as a Bellator Dublin event, as well as it was called um, Victories for James Gallagher over Roman Salazar. Very popular young bantamweight fighter he is. For Peter Queeley over Ryan Scope in probably the fight of the night, a welterweight brilliant battle. And for Michael Venom Page over Richard Kiley. Controversy uh, as well as drama there last night. But I caught up with the head of Bellator Europe, David Green, and here is what he had to tell me about a brilliant event for the fans.
6: Well, they loved their fighting, and the fans were absolutely tremendous. I mean, the incredible, incredible atmosphere
2: in, the, in that arena tonight. James Gallagher, Peter Queeley, Michael Venom-Page, so many guys delivered, Liam McCourt... So many people delivered tonight in a very powerful way that you can take those headlines and those storylines away and make great matchups afterwards. Well, absolutely, and sometimes it doesn't happen. The local guys don't often
6: come out on top, but we had great results through the prelims, and then you know, the big guys at the top of the card for the fans, Peter, Peter Quirley and James Gallagher there, did a tremendous job. I mean, Peter came back from, from the dead in that fight, and it was just so exciting to watch. The atmosphere and the energy I think he took from the crowd was I think the thing that got him off his feet and then James was clinical in that submission at the end but like you say we had alongside that we had people like Benson Henderson fighting in Dublin and getting a a hero's welcome and then MVP putting on another masterclass as as the showman
2: More from MVP in a minute but I was also able to speak with Peter Queeley grabbed him outside the arena where he's being absolutely mobbed uh, by the Irish fans
7: I couldn't have went better, and that's... Nothing makes me happier than how that went. Blood and guts, and a fight. If i went out and... I, I rocked him in the first round, and I almost had him finished, to be honest. But this makes me happy. No, he struggled in the first round. Yeah, he did. Your timing was had brilliant. His number, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he came out very strong in the second round. And, um... As this, he did against Pitbull. Yeah, ball. and I know, I know about this kick he does. Yeah. And I, and, and I was aware of it in the first round, but it was very light. Yeah. And I was like get out of here with that, you're not going to hurt me with that, and I kind of, he lulled me with it, and then he banged me out of it in the second yeah, round, yeah, he was yeah. really good with it. he did. he kind of lulled me to sleep with it, like it wasn't that powerful, and then he smacked me with it in the second round, so, but listen, I was so happy with, with Ryan as well, he's not afraid, he comes in, and, and like, he, he tried to wrestle for a minute, I gave him a few smacks, and he, he kind of turned into a wrestler for a second, but he recomposed himself instead of fighting again, but that's the kind of point, like, I, I turn a lot of these guys into, you know, little wrestlers or whatever, but Ryan was a big part of that fight as well, and, and the moment too, so good for him
2: fight of the night that I thought Between Peter Queeley and Ryan Scope He's a brilliant fella Queeley and never been stopped in his career Very, very tough man While I was uh, in Dublin um, I also spoke after the event To Michael Venom-Page Who, not only did he have a point deducted uh, uh, In the victory The first round knockout Brilliant uh, finish from him But um, he came out afterwards and was very unhappy about his treatment by the referee Dan Miragliotta and has even alleged that he was abused uh, in the cage by the veteran American referee. Here's what he had to tell me
11: uh, It's never happened to me before. Um, and for me, it was personal. Dan has an issue. Uh, Dan Miragliotta has an issue with me.
2: The referee, this is. Yeah. Yes,
11: he has an. Um, it's, the fir- it's the second time he's done something. That wasn't warranted. The first time was my second Bellator fight, I believe. As I was walking out, he said, "Take your sunglasses off. This is not Hollywood. Now, this is Hollywood." <laughs> and uh, as time went on, I showed that people exactly why it is Hollywood. I, I come to put on a show. It does Bellator. It does everything. It's great for Bellator. It's great for the crowd. It's great for the fans. So for him to stop, you know, want to stop that in that moment, is just seemed a bit like uh, personal. Even then. I didn't say anything back then. Um, this tonight was again just it was personal. He not only <clears throat> took a point from me, but he also adjusted uh, a fight, uh, took me up from a fight, a fight ending position, which is unheard of. It's, it's almost like you giving... didn't
2: put you back in the position. No, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's
11: almost like it's almost like giving a red card uh, and giving a penalty. You know what I mean? You don't you don't get the double foul, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then at the end, uh, he pushed me and called me a. Which, uh, but if anybody noticed, my coach was in his face and told him to come outside because, uh, you know, we're London shoot fighters. So, um, yeah. I'm Sounds the, uh, like you're London street fighters yeah, <laughs> shoot fighters. But you know what it is? It's, it was, it's very. It's you thought it was ridiculous, disrespectful. ridiculous. Are you going to make a complaint to the commission? No, 100%. I'm going to make a massive complaint. I want him An to, actual official complaint. Official complaint. I want him to uh, apologise to me as well and he's never referring me again. I, I'll refuse. I will not fight. I'll leave the organisation before I let this guy um, uh, referee me again. Very interesting. Um, and, And finally, when would you like to be out next and where? I will be out in London. I don't know against who, but November, so I'm back in eight weeks. Um, I'm, I'm feeling fresh you saw how quick that was you saw how easy that was I told everybody how easy it was going to be and I'm back in November
2: and you want Douglas Lima next year don't you
11: oh man I'm, I'm dying for that fight and, to say, and again it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a dis, in, any, in any form of disrespect I just want to rectify I want to change I want to correct what went wrong
2: lovely it's great to see you as always, always. thank you always. for all, all your presence and your, your brilliance all week thank you very much thank you very much man take care well, as you can hear, there was a lot of drama in Dublin last night. Uh, waiting on the line for me is Jim Edwards, the uh, MMA journalist. Jim, when did you get back from Bellator Dublin?
10: I got back early this morning. Unfortunately, um, a bit too early. It was uh, it was a good night afterwards because it was such a good night in the arena. Late finish, but uh, not for the locals. It was uh, yeah, such a compelling night from start to finish.
2: It was a compelling night. So, um, look, let's get to the, to a couple of things first of all. Um, i thought james gallagher carried the event very well as always he really is even for a very young man has got great stature and his self-belief almost terrifies me at times because because the the hubris the fall is so big if he loses
10: yes sure And like you know we both saw him out uh, out at capeside Uh, for a very, very long period before his fight yesterday. And you don't normally see that with fighters who are going to be in the main event. They normally take themselves away and hide themselves in the back. But James is out there greeting fans, talking to his teammates, supporting Keith Crosby. It it was just amazing to see he really was kind of drinking up the atmosphere. What it only took in thirty five seconds, but um, yeah, one what, what absolute sublime performance by him last yeah,
2: night. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been at six of the seven major events with the UFC and Bellator over the last decade in Dublin, and it always takes the roof off. They say there's more noise in there from that nine thousand crowd than standing next to a jumbo jet taking off. And, uh, um, look, um, it was a great night. But the headlines, really, and I want to come to Conor McGregor as when we finish uh, our, our segment tonight. But when you when you look at the headlines from it, yes, Gallagher did brilliantly. Yes, Peter Queeley looked fantastic. Yes, a lot of the Irish guys produced. It was a brilliant night for Straight Blast Gym, SPG Gym, uh, the gym of uh, John Kavanagh, Conor McGregor's uh, erstwhile and sage coach. But the headlines were stolen by Make- Michael Van and Page. You were there at the post-fight press conference when he said that he had been called an s**t by veteran experienced respected uh mma referee uh, the big man as well dan miragliotta um do you think as i do that miragliotta was a little bit heavy-handed with uh, michael venom page in there certainly from face value we can't hear everything
10: that went on uh, in the cage last night. Uh, who knows what was said in, in between the exchanges and who said what? But l- looking at it from face value, you can see that uh, Murgley Otter did put his hands on Paige after the fight. Um, I thought it was a very odd uh, stand up when Paige looked like he might get the finish from the ground just before he did on the feet. Um, There were just some very odd scenes, which is why I think it's kind of caught the attention uh, of a lot of people. Page said the incident stemmed back, actually, to um, when he made his debut in America and he wanted to walk out wearing sunglasses. And Dan, uh, I guess probably, uh, you know, a great traditional martial artist and a fantastic referee in all senses, uh, in the back told him to take off his sunglasses, that this was martial arts and not Hollywood. I believe the quote was with... um, No, no, he said that to me
2: earlier as well, Jim. And listen, that's wrong in my view. I mean, he did put his hands on... Uh, page at uh, at some point but we do have referee was there with referees with a hands-on fighter sometimes because they have to separate them it's part of the process but i i will say i thought he was heavy-handed with him and if they uh, trouble is i know dan well and he's not the kind of guy that has a beef with people jim but it feels like michael has the beef with dan
10: well, normally when we see referees put their hands on fighters to separate them, it's either in the if not enough happening, or, or at the end of a fight when they're actually trying to stop it, because one, one fighter is uh, dominating the other so much. But what actually happened, we, you know, when we saw the finish last night, Michael Adam Page walk-off knockout, um, mocking Richard Kiley on, on ground almost. So there was actually no need for intervention or for Dan to put his hands on. Michael, which is kind of where this all... The, we really do need to find out what happens. Bellator officials told me last night there will be uh, a minor in, in investigation behind the scenes, and I'm sure they will sort it out. I, I do um, firmly believe it is one of these things that has caught the attention, just because it's such an odd scene to see in a mixed martial arts fight, a, a referee putting his hands on a fighter after the bout. But um, I really do think it will be dealt with behind closed curtains, and hopefully it will be the last we hear of it. I don't
2: think it will be, you know, because I think uh, Venom Page, as we understand, maybe fighting in London uh, in the headline event on November the 23rd. I mean, I did a piece uh, in The Telegraph earlier um, in which uh, I'd revealed that uh, Mike Mazzulli, the head of the commissions, that uh, who's the head of the ad hoc commission over here for Bellator, when events take place in Europe, said that Dan Miragliotta has not actually been signed up for that November the 23rd event. And actually, I feel now for the drama of it all, because we love it, it's a shame because it would have been amazing if he had been refereeing that headline event because we would have had it all over again and it would have been part of the week's build-up. If a referee has abused uh, a fighter, I can't remember an incident uh, of this nature. If he has, and the the, the footage does show that later, I'm sure action will be taken against him. But I feel that... I'd like to see in this situation the referee... And the fighter talk it out, maybe on a podcast, maybe on a radio show, and clear the air. That's, maybe they could come on Talk Sport and do it. It'd be good, wouldn't it? We could clear the air on fight night, on a Saturday night, with no fisties, just a couple of microphones, and let's just clear the air and get it out of the way. Do you reckon, Jim?
10: I think that will be entertainment for sure. And, uh, <laughs> just going back to what you were saying, that you ha- have an incident like this happened, you remember last time in in Dublin and Mark Goddard and Conor McGregor kind of got into it a little bit with we kind Conor of jumping into the cage and Mark Goddard trying to restrain him. Like, this is, um, you know, this, these aren't uncharted waters, um, but I, I find it hard to believe, unless that, those, those talks do happen, guys, that we will see Sam Mowgli after and Michael page sharing the cage.
2: Thanks very much Jim Great to speak to you as always Um, Mills Lane in boxing Spencer Used to always say firm but fair But can a referee get physically involved Almost emotionally involved uh, With a fighter
3: In a way that he isn't just separating them physically No definitely not I think that the the referee's Got too emotionally involved He's overstepped the mark And he's done something completely wrong there And and you're right Gareth They've got to be firm but they've got to be fair And they've got to be doing that with the with their vocals, with the with their words, you can't physically touch a fighter and physically and it and and it wasn't a little nudge; it was a shove. It was a shove. Yeah, you can't do that. You know that, that the fighter could then retaliate, hit the referee, and then the whole hell breaks loose and This is all because of the referee 's actions you know this is, that, that can start off a number of things well, it did the, the, it almost got Page's team
2: the, the big guy one of the big guys in the, in his training team who's not doesn't isn 't interesting in interest in having a public profile. Was calling him out, wanting to fight with him after. Mm. Dan Miragliotto is a big fella, as you know. He's like six foot mm. six, you know, 270, 285 pounds. And, you know, it, it was not a nice situation. I thought he was heavy handed. That was my instinct at the time. I like to back my instinct. I don't think he called um, Michael Venom Page uh, the S word. Um, and I, I think that'll get clarified. I think he said, I don't want any of that S going on in here. That's what I think we'll see because. Like you've said, it's so clearly a very fine line. That third man in the ring or the cage or the octagon or whatever it is
3: has got to be the guy who's looking out for their safety and nothing else. Absolutely. He's got to be firm and he's got to be strong and he's got to take control of the situation. If he doesn't do that, we've seen it before in boxing fights, previously in boxing fights, when the referee's not quite sure and he's hesitant, it causes controversy because Mm. he makes the wrong Mm. decision. And the same if if you're too firm. If you're too firm, you're making the wrong decision in the game causes more controversy the referee's got a big job and a lot of weight on his shoulders and he's got to get it right last night I don't think he did You've been brilliant tonight, Spencer. There's another... Thank you so
2: much indeed. Uh, It's always a pleasure working with you. There's another Bellator event on tonight on Sky as well. Uh, Bellator 228, a brilliant featherweight tournament going on in the Forum in Los Angeles or Inglewood, Los Angeles tonight. Four featherweight fights, last 16 of a a tournament that's going to go on for the next year. Gegard Mousasi uh, against... Um, Leoto Machida is the main event it's going to be a brilliant night over there Patricio Pitbull defending his um, uh, featherweight title against Juan Archuleta this podcast remember is available for tomorrow um, you can go to talksport.com for androids and head to iTunes for Apple devices subscribe now so it's available first thing you've been listening to Fight Night with me and Gareth a. Davis and Spencer Oliver enjoy we'll have a good weekend